2017 Loudoun County Board of Supervisors public hearing. If anyone in the room needs hearing assistance, please see the clerk to my left. Would everybody please join me in the Pledge of Allegiance? <coughs> Members of the public wanting to speak on any item in this public hearing, if you've not already done so, please sign up with the clerk to my left. All members of the public who have signed up to speak will be allowed at two and a half minutes. We ask when your name is called, please come to the podium closest to you and state your name for the record. The timer on the podium will indicate your remaining time. When your time has expired, we would ask that you please yield the floor to the next speaker. Um, Mr. Buffington is, um, has work duties today, but he is going to try to call in. Yeah, what? Why are you pointing at me? We good? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Mr. Buffington has work duties, but, he, but he's going to try to call in. Um, so I'm going to read the, um, the remote participation statement just in case he uh, uh, does call in. Pursuant to Code Virginia Section 2.2-3701.1, the Board of Supervisors adopted rules of order and the policy of the Board of Supervisors. Supervisor Buffington has requested to participate in this meeting by electronic communication from a remote location that is not open to the public. Supervisor Buffington has stated that he cannot attend the meeting due to a personal matter, specifically family obligations. Oh, I'm sorry, I, I said works, family obligations. And will be joining the meeting from a remote location that is not open to the public. As required by law, a physical quorum of the board is present in the boardroom, and the board has made arrangements for the voice of Supervisor Buffington to be heard by all persons in the boardroom. Mr. Buffington made this request within the time frame required by policy, and the county attorney has determined that Mr. Buffington meets the qualifications to participate remotely. The board will record in its minutes the specific nature of the personal matter and the location from which Mr. Buffington participates remotely. Okay. Items for consideration. We will, give me one second. Yeah, I know. I'm trying to see if the speaker's on any other item. Okay, what number is that? As is my, as is my policy, I try to put the items where people are, where, where we have speakers um, toward the front. And so I will, um, Oh, okay. All right. So um, I'm going to do um, item number one, item number five, uh, and item number eight in that in that order. And then we'll go, because we have speakers in the room for that, and, and I try to get people out of the room as fast as I possibly can. Not because not you have to, just because I don't think you want to sit in here with us all night. So we will start with item number one, um, proposed establishment of residential permit parking district in the, uh, in the Stonebridge community adjacent to John Champ High School. It's the Dulles District. Good evening. Good evening. Ready Good evening. Thank you. Good evening, Madam Chair, members of the board. This public hearing item is a proposed establishment of a residential permit parking district in a Stonebridge community located in the Dulles Election District. Staff does not have a formal presentation tonight. However, I have one update, and I would like to direct your attention to, on Table 1, Page 2 of the staff report. 
As you can see in the table, the first residential permit parking district was established by the board in 2009. And this on-street parking restriction is on Abbey Circle. Prior to the formal, formal election redistricting in 2011, Abbey, Abbey Circle was in the election district known as Sugarland Run, and it was not in the Sterling election district, as noted on the report. I would like to thank Supervisor Volpe for pointing this out to me, and I apologize for the error. This concludes my update, Madam Chair, members of the board. Thank you. Does anyone have any questions for staff on this item? Seeing none, um, we have two members of the public who would like to speak on this item. Bree Johnson and Michael Rhodes. I'm sorry, there's not a I'm sorry, Mr. Higgins had a question for staff. I'm sorry, Mr. Higgins. Thank you. Um, a couple of questions. This uh, situation has arisen in this area. Is this in response to uh, people from the high school parking on the street? Is that what's going on? Correct. High school students parking on the streets. So this, I'm looking back at the item here, this is the sixth one of these we've had to do since LCPS raised the parking rate from 25 to 7? This would be the 7th. Well, 7th, that's right, 6 plus 1. Um, I don't even have my calculator tonight. Right? <laughs> uh, um, so this is the seventh one of these we had to do since the schools raised the parking fee to $200 from $25 when it was what it was before. All right. The parking fees were raised, I believe, in 2010, 2011. Right. Um, I think it was 2009, but in that general time frame. Correct. Yes. And all these have happened since then. Um, it's, it's just, it's, it's frustrating, and I know it's frustrating for the people in the neighborhood as well, um, and I'm sure it's frustrating for parents, and it would be interesting to know what the cost-benefit analysis is for them raising that fee and and us having to deal with it. What is, do we have an idea what it's cost us over all these seven different neighborhood parking permits to put them in place? I don't have my notes with me, but we do have um, a general idea of how much it cost the county since the uh, RPPD was implemented. It cost us probably about $50,000. So it's cost us 50000 Correct. Um, it would be nice if we could get a conversation with LCPS going so that we wouldn't have to keep doing this and they will allow the kids to get the parking permits at a reasonable price so that then they would park at the school rather than on the streets. Well, perhaps this is a good time to inform you. Our department is reviewing the RPPD program and we're planning to uh, update the board in January, the second meeting in January um, regarding this program, and we will share that information with you. Thank you. Ms. Bopi? Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, just for a point of clarification, the one at Abbey Circle was not done related to a school. Thank you. <coughs> Mr. Bona? Yeah, briefly, we've done two since I've been on the board in the Ashburn District, one in Farmer Hunt. When we put that in place, we did it because of Broad Run High School. As soon as we put it in place, the kids said, well, I'm still not parking at the school and paying the fee. So they moved over to the, started parking in the Ashbriar community. So we put another restrictive parking district in place in the Ashbriar community. And basically, we eventually trapped them where there were no more neighborhoods for the kids to park in. Okay. Uh, but my question is this. If you were bringing something to us on the January 18th meeting on, the, on these res restricted residential parking districts, 
if we were to approve this tonight, is that a conflict with anything you're going to be bringing to us? I mean, give us a sense of what you're bringing, or at least at a high level, what is it? Because I want to make sure if we move forward with this, that it's not going to conflict with what you're going to do to change the program. It's just to give you an update of where the program is today and to propose we have recommended improvements to, to enhance the program, the process, um, and so forth. That's the intent. So you don't see any conflicts with approving this tonight or at, let's say, the January 3rd meeting versus what you're planning on bringing on the 18th? I don't see a conflict okay. at all. It's an interesting question. I know when my son was uh, at Stonebridge High School, he was a senior, he, um, they actually had like a lot of a lottery for parking spaces. It wasn't that the kids, it wasn't that, well, I mean, the, the parking was outrageously cost price to me. I bought that and we made them pay for it themselves. But they didn't have enough spaces for all the kids that were driving. That's why the kids were spilling out into the road. So it wasn't, it wasn't the issue of the price. It was an issue of space, enough space actually in the, in, in the school for student parking. It also strikes me that we've, we're in a di very different place because I know when I was in high school, the issue of a whole lot of kids driving to school was not an issue. We just got on the bus. <laughs> that, that's how that went. So times have changed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. We have two speakers. <laughs> we have two speakers on this item. Um, Bree Johnson and Michael Rhodes, if you all are here. Good evening. Good evening. Thank you. So in September of 2016, when as a neighborhood, we first decided to reach out to Mr. Rhodes and Mr. Letourneau to become a resident-only parking neighborhood, it was because we were concerned about what was slowly at that time becoming an issue. Little did we know the changes that our neighborhood would see before the end of the school year. At the beginning of the 2016-17 school year, the main challenge was getting in and out of our neighborhood. It had become dangerous during the school hours due to Sacred Mountain because at that point in time it began being lined with cars on both sides. This was partially from students but as well as teachers. The loss of space in the teacher lot was due to overflow trailers at the school so that's why teachers started lining the streets. The rest were because teachers didn't want to park in the quote faraway spots and as mentioned, the students didn't want to pay the fees for parking. Because of the amount of cars lining both sides of Sacred Mountain, only one car can pass through safely at a time. So we're seeing an increased amount of traffic before and after school driving through our neighborhood. Unfortunately, some at unsafe speeds with the amount of young kids playing outside. As the school year continued and more students gained driving privileges, the amount of cars to park on Sacred Mountain increased. And as you may or may not be aware, during the school year, VDOT added parking restrictions to help with visibility coming out of our neighborhood, thus reducing the amount of parking availability. Those cars needed somewhere to park. They came into our neighborhood. Great Smoky, Salmon River looked like great spots to them. So now they've moved into our neighborhood, blocking our driveways, mailboxes, littering our streets with trash, cigarette butts, and walking on our private property to get to school. I personally have spoken with many of the students asking them not to litter, asking them to walk on, not to walk on our personal property, suggesting the sidewalks. I've also asked them not to loiter and have worked very closely with Mr. Gabriel to see if there's anything we can do to make this process better. I know he's made multiple announcements at the school to not park in our neighborhood, yet it continues. 
Unfortunately, since Village Run is not school property, he has no authority over what the students do over there, and they're very well aware of that. He even suggested if we, the residents, see his students loitering during school hours, we call the Loudoun County Sheriff's Department. They don't care. Not, this, not the sheriff, the students. The goal in becoming a Ms. resident Ms. Johnson, on the parking... Ms. Johnson, I'm sorry, I have to stop you. Your time is up. Okay. You can submit your, your comments in writing if you'd like. Pardon me? You can, you can submit your comments in writing to the full board. Okay, my only other comment was that our neighbors are here to support it as well. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Rhodes, please. Good evening, Madam Chair. Good evening. Members of the board, I'm Michael Rhodes. I live at 24951 Calcite Place. I'm here uh, as a representative of the Stone Ridge Homeowners Association uh, requesting that you approve this parking district. Um, this, this is what the ordinance was created for, um, and it's a, it's a perfect opportunity uh, to, to use that, that ordinance. Um, I will say I, I have a daughter in high school. I drop her off every morning, and it is not an overflow parking situation. The, the parking lot is less than half full every day. So um, in this particular case, that's, that's not the issue. But anyway, I uh, encourage you to, to support this, and uh, thank you very much. Thank you, sir. <clears throat> Thank you. Um, Mr. Letourneau. Thank you, Madam Chair. I move the Board of Supervisors to suspend the rules. Motion's been made for suspension of the rules. Been seconded by Mr. Uh, Boner. Yeah, just quickly on suspension. I am suspending the rules because, as, as these folks have indicated, they have been waiting a long time, actually, for this. Our, my office has been engaged in this particular issue for oh, well over a year now. Um, and although there may be changes coming to the parking program, this is still an issue at this school that needs to be addressed, and I don't think anything that's going to change. Okay. Um, um, uh, all in favor of suspension of the rules, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? That motion will pass 801. Mr. Mr. Letourneau? <coughs> I move the Board of Supervisors adopt the Stone Ridge Residential Permit Parking District Map and Ordinance establishing the district as provided in Attachments 4 and 5 to the December 13, 2017 Board of Supervisors Public Hearing Staff Report. I further move the Board of Supervisors approve the use of the Residential Permanent Parking District account funds in the amount of $5,000 for the establishment and implementation of the Stone Ridge Residential Permanent Parking District located in the Stone Ridge community in the Dulles Election District. Motion has been made and seconded by Mr. Bona. Discussion on that motion. So a couple uh, observations just to sort of back up what the residents are saying. Uh, your second attachment is a school map, um, and, and if you look at it real quickly, you'll see this, the geography on this particular school, and it is a beautiful campus. I think this is probably the nicest campus we have for a whole big campus uh, for a high school. It looks like a college almost. But um, you'll see where the parking lot is. Um, it's on the southern side of Three Goals Drive. And if you look at Sacred Mountain Street, which is not part of the parking plan because it's a, it's a VDOT facility that's um, not under HOA uh, control and it's, it's still being worked out there. Um, but you'll see that actually for a lot of the students and the teachers, it's closer to park in the neighborhood and walk to the school than it is to park in the actual parking lot because it's sort of a vertical campus. So um, in terms of these teachers and the staff, well, I certainly hope and I appreciate that the principal has been working on that issue. There are a significant number of teachers and faculty and staff that are parking in the neighborhood because they don't want to walk as far, um, and I'm, hopefully that's been tampered down, but that was an ongoing issue. Otherwise, within this neighborhood here, um, you do have a lot of students parking, and I do believe it is because of the fee that LCPS charges, uh, because this is a, a pretty expansive parking lot. There's actually even more parking over on the athletic fields 
which are not used during the school day uh, for, for visitors. So um, there's a lot of parking at this school. It's just simply a matter of folks not wanting to pay for it. So I uh, appreciate the board's uh, support for this. Okay, Mr. Bone? Yeah, briefly. First of all, I'm going to take exception with what Supervisor Letourneau said. The nicest campus in the <laughs> county is Riverside High School in the Ashburn District. That's very nice, too. It's very nice. Okay. Um, second of all, I, I, for those in the community, um, we've been through two of these in my district, and as a lesson learned, just to put it out there, what we did is we worked with the school resource officer, and the students were all briefed. <laughs> they were given, I think it was a two-week two grace period where this SRO would go out, and if they found vehicles, they would give them a warning and put it on the vehicle. But there was a very set cutoff date where no more warnings, you're getting tickets. And that really helped because it kind of prepped them, didn't punish them instantly, but in about a two-week period, it solved the problem, and uh, we were able to make it all work. So just work with your SRO. Thank you. So as chair of the county, I, I think every single school is a beautiful campus, everyone. Mr. Le, Mr. Mr. Letourneau, is Sacred Mountain Street, is that a, is that a very busy road? Well, I only ask uh, because it seems it really to me pretty not much only accesses the neighborhood and the school. Okay. It actually does ac access Goshen Road, which is an unpaved road. Um, I, I was only asking for, I mean, obviously I'm supporting the motion. I was only asking because right. it seems to me that not only do we have a parking problem within the neighborhood, but if you get if some of these roads get busier, you, know, you could also have the safety problems for kids. We have problems with school buses getting on Sacred Mountain because of cars parked. Uh, on wow. So, okay. All right. All right. Yeah. The map actually helps a lot. All right. Mr. Letourneau, would you like to close it? Uh, no. We, we, we build very nice school campuses throughout <laughs> Loudoun County. This is a particularly impressive <laughs> footprint, at least. And, uh, well, my point by saying it was just it's so expansive that I think it's contributing to the problem. So thank you. Okay. All in favor, please say aye. Aye. Any opposed? That motion will pass. Um, 801. Thank you. We're going to go to item number five because we do have a speaker on that item. Um, it's the item of elderly tax relief. And I, um, we just have the one speaker on that item, correct? Okay. Good evening. Good evening, Madam Chair, members of the board. The item before you is um, an amendment to Chapter 872, Real Property Tax Relief for the Elderly or Totally and Permanently Disabled. Uh, this item came to you um, on November 8th. And at that time, we did have a presentation to the full board, so we're prepared to give you that again, if you would like, or we can go straight to your questions about the program. <coughs> would anyone need, does anyone need the presentation? Would anyone have questions of staff? Mr. Ms. Volpe, Mr. Letourneau, is your light on on purpose? Oh, um, no, no, sorry. Ms. Letourneau? I mean, Ms. Umstead. Oh, thank you, Madam Chair. Um, our office has gotten one inquiry from uh, one of our residents, and then we've seen an inquiry from another uh, resident in a different district um, asking whether there's any risk of uh, anyone currently in the program having their taxes increased. Staff has assured me nobody currently benefiting should suffer any harm as a result of this unless they, make, they have a higher income than they do now or acquire more property. But just for the public, I, I want, Erin, if you could clarify that as well. Sure. The, the recommendation from staff is that the current program remain intact, but that it be slightly expanded to include 
um, some additional uh, net worth that um, could potentially bring some more people into the program. Thank you. I have a question. So I asked this before, and I'm going to kind of come at it a different way. I'm assuming that permanently disabled um, applies to physical or mental issues, correct? That is our understanding, yes. Okay, so if it's a mental health issue, that's in a, and we're talking permanently disabled, how do you, um, how do you establish that, and what do you do with, with some of the HIPAA, violate, or the HIPAA laws? Um, do, do you have people, I mean, because you could be, you could have a, um, a, a disabling mental health condition until you're on your meds. Um, and, and then all the HIPAA stuff also comes in. So obviously I, I intend to su support this, this item, Mr. Bona. I think I heard about this item 15 minutes after my election. He came to me with this item. But, but, but there, that, that answer, that, uh, that issue has never really been clear that what do you do with people who have mental health issues and what do they have to bring to you? Uh, the Madam Chair the, and board members, the um, Code of Virginia prescribes to localities how a um, locality can uh, grant relief to individuals that are disabled. It can be a mental or a physical disability. And what it tells localities is that the individual has to be totally and permanently disabled, and the disability is verified through um, documentation from the Social Security Administration or the VA or the Railroad Retirement Board or if an individual can get affidavits from two doctors licensed to practice medicine in the Commonwealth of Virginia or who practice in the armed services to the effect that the individual is totally and permanently disabled. So it's not a determination that's made by my office sure. by another entity. Sure. Okay. And the uh, documentation that's provided usually doesn't describe exactly what the disability is. Okay. Just that the individual is totally or permanently totally disabled. That's disabled. interesting. Okay. Yes. That 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 that, that answers it enough. Thank you, Mr. Myers. Did you have a question? Yes, I did, Madam Chair. Um, so I'm trying to just figure out. It's for for us. I know you're, we're trying to keep it simple. That's one of the reasons why we do want to do multiple brackets. We have we had a few questions about why couldn't we do you know 50 or 25 and sort of tear it down more versus just basically, it, it, right now, even with 50%, it, it still seems sort of like an all or nothing proposition to some folks, so either you qualify and you get a tremendous, thousands of dollars worth of aid, or you miss it and you miss it. Um, and so we really can't do, you, the, your office is hesitant to try to take on any more tiers than these two, correct? I, I will tell you it's gonna be a challenge uh, administering this. Um, as you know, the population that's served by this program is either elderly or disabled. So it's already a challenge sometimes explaining to individuals the qualifying criteria. Right. Um, so um, from year to year, it's going to be a challenge. I would, yeah, I would okay. I, and I understand that. And, yeah, I, I, I don't plan to try to propose any changes because I don't think I'd have support from anyway. But maybe there is one. I mean, basic numbers help people remember when you have basic levels of, of qualification. And so that's sort of more of what I'm wondering is between either now and then, or if we make a motion, I'm happy to make an amendment. For instance, saying that the top net worth is $920,000 seems a bit odd to me. That why wouldn't we just go ahead and bump it? I know it follows a little graph where we sort of picked somewhat arbitrary numbers and created that line, but wouldn't it just make sense to say net worth up to a million dollars? 
um, so people can follow it. And I know it depends on what the income is, so you have to look at the, the graph anyway. But if there's any way we can help, if there's any way we can actually make these a little bit more simple as far as making the numbers more round, I think it'd also help people remember from year to year whether they qualify for these things. Uh, that's going to be a policy decision that the board's going to have to make. Okay. Obviously, one number is easier to explain than, than multiple numbers. Right. Or, or saying a million versus 920,000. Right. Yeah. Okay. Mr. Boner. Yes, thank you. Uh, I've been working this for six years. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Mr. Wirth, Ms. McClellan, would you agree that I have brought at least three or four full proposals before the, this board and the previous board before, and especially the previous board, regarding this relief? There's been a number, absolutely. There's been a number of them. <laughs> yes. And would you agree that my proposals tried pretty much all kinds of different permutations, like different tiers of relief, different net worth tiers, different income tiers? Would you, would you agree with that statement? You, you have tried multiple times. And would you agree that some of the more tiers you create, especially with net worth, makes it very complicated to administer the program? It does. Okay. So given the history and given all the proposals that have been put on the table in the past, especially the last term, I hope that my colleagues don't sit up here and try to amend this. We're trying to, why well, this isn't perfect, we're trying to finally get to the goal line with something, and I would hope my colleagues wouldn't do that. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Bonner. Um, do we, I, we have one speaker on this item, and that speaker is Bill Mahoney. Madam Chair and uh, honorable members of the board, good evening. <clears throat> you have before you tonight item five, which will correct the inequity that exists in the current elderly and disabled tax relief program. The problem was identified more than 15 years ago by your seniors who were trying to figure out how to retire in Loudoun County when real estate tax bills were doubling and later tripled, many seniors did not stay. In 2010, the census showed that we had 20,425 seniors 65 and older. They represented 6.5% of our population. The norm, US norm at that time was 13. That means we had 50% of the national norm. Today, 2017, December 2017, we have 30,000 seniors who represent 8.5% of our population. And guess what the national norm is? It's 17%. We're still at 50% of our complement of seniors. So nothing's changed in the past seven years. So we are still losing our seniors. You have a chance tonight to correct this. Over the years, efforts were made by the Disability Services Board, who actually made a proposal in 2012 that went to the Finance Committee that requested uh, the net, uh, net worth be eliminated. Um, you've got the Commission on Aging who made a proposal, brought a letter. Supervisors and their aides made proposals to correct the problem of the inequity. Thanks to you, the county's management and budget office got involved and took a fresh look at the issue. They came up with a good solution. 
the seniors of Loudoun County ask for your vote to approve item five, we fully realize this will not be effective until 2019. We also believe that by 2021, we will have collected enough data with the support of the Commissioner of Revenue and the Management and Budget Office to propose enhancements to the 50% relief levels contained in the four new categories. In the meantime, we thank you for your support and your vote. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Um, okay. I'm going to go Mr. to Mr. Boner because, as I said, I was in office, not even in office, when he started talking to me about this. This is kind of his thing, and I'm really glad he brought it to me. So, Mr. Boner, you are up, sir. The ink had dried on the ballots when I brought this to your <laughs> attention. So, I'm going to move that the Board of Supervisors suspend the rules. Second. Uh, a, a motion's been made for suspension. Um, any discussion I'll, I'll on that simply, motion? I'll simply say this. Um, this is long overdue. I realize the vote up here may not be 9-0, but there has been no controversy in the community whatsoever over this proposal. Therefore, that's why I'm making the motion to suspend the rules. Um, all in favor of the motion to suspend, please say aye. 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 All opposed? No. Okay, that motion would pass 8-0-1 with Mr. Paterno um, saying no. Mr. Bona? I move that the Board of Supervisors approve the amendments to the codified ordinances allowed in County Chapter 872, real estate tax relief for the elderly or totally and permanently disabled is provided in Attachment 2 of the December 13, 2017 Board of Supervisors Public Hearing Staff Report to be effective on January 1, 2019. Second. second. I'm going to take that second. Mr. So that was made by Mr. Bona and seconded by Chair Randall. Mr. Boner. Yeah, let, let me say one or two things up front. Anything else I'm going to say, I've said ad nauseum before. Um, first of all, I want to thank Supervisor Volpe because she has worked this with me for the last literally six years. <coughs> this is our last meeting of the second year of this term of this board, and we started it in the first meeting of the term of the last board, so exactly six years. Uh, thank you, Mr. Mahoney. For those of you who don't know, Mr. Mahoney that just spoke is a former chairman of the Commission on Aging for Loudoun County and uh, very helpful in this process and has tried to work with us over the years to try to perfect this. He's quite a, quite a wonder with numbers, Supervisor Higgins, so uh, he does math pretty well. Um, first, I'll say nobody in the program today, nobody that is currently in the program will be affected by this unless their own personal circumstances have changed where they wouldn't qualify under the program under the current rules. So nobody is out as a result of the change. The problem we've had is it's been a cliff. And this has rewarded people that didn't save their whole life and punished people who saved their whole life. And those that have a good pension but nothing in the bank get 100% relief. And those that have no pension and live just on 20000 a year from Social Security but were smart enough to save in an IRA or 401K or something get 0% relief. So somebody with 72,000 of income can get 100% tax relief and somebody with $20,000 of income gets 0% tax relief. That's the cliff we have under the current program. It's a cliff. It's all or nothing. You get zero or you get 100. This program eliminates, and I thank you to staff too, because I came with a lot of proposals, but finally I kind of threw my arms in the air and said, well, what would staff recommend, guys? Because everything I've come up with, the board, the last board shot down. And I thank staff for doing this. This eliminates uh, about 95% of that cliff. We're going to have little teeny bubbles left under this program. 
But this isn't too hard to administer. It's 100%, 50%, or zero relief. But it fixes the inequity associated with net worth. Net worth is a lot harder to confirm than income because income you can verify with your taxes. Net worth is kind of, you know, what's your assets minus your liabilities. It does exclude your home up to a certain value and I think up to three acres, correct? But the current program does that too. So that's, that's not a change here. Uh, basically, I, I have a soft spot in my heart for the elderly because God willing, we're all going to be elderly. And we need to help our elderly community to the largest extent we can. I have a 93-year-old mother in assisted living. I know how difficult it was for her to pay property taxes when she was living on a fixed income. And allowed in these property taxes are quite extraordinary compared to most other jurisdictions. So what we're doing here is the right thing. And I, not just elderly, permanently disabled. That can be wounded warriors as well as people that never served. But I'd appreciate my colleague's support. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Meyer. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, I'll, I'll support it as is because it's a it's definitely a giant step forward. Um, I ran on providing relief to the uh, to the senior community, uh, Potomac Green, Ashby Ponds, Regency in particular. Uh, Four Seasons. We have a whole down in Gloucester. There's a whole uh, slew of seniors who are very active in the community. Might I add? Um, and also work very hard, but also some of which fall into some of these circumstances where they hit the cliff. Um, one of the first calls I got when getting more involved uh, in politics locally was from an elderly woman in Sterling, and I've said this before, but I'll say it again because it's, it's really a story that stuck with me, called me crying saying she couldn't pay her property taxes because she fell into one of these gaps. Uh, and so I'm happy to report to her today probably, I don't know, I'm thinking it's four years ago at this point that we've finally taken a major step to, to help her um, in making sure that she doesn't have to ask her son or her children who she tried to provide for her whole lives to then turn around and help her with thousands of dollars of, of tax payments. So I'm very proud of that. Um, thankful Supervisor Bona for trying whatever would work. And I understand that you agree with me that, that we really, in an ideal world, would have a more tiered system, wouldn't have these basically dr these very dramatic rates, but it is what it is. Um, and so happily supporting it. Appreciate those who worked on it, including staff, Supervisor Bona. Um, and a great chunk of my district will be very grateful for this. Um, and I don't think it's going to really be a huge hole in our budget by any means. And it's really mostly folks who use very little in county services anyway. Thank you, sir. Mr. Higgins. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, Supervisor Bona, I'd like to offer a friendly amendment. I'm only kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I would offer that. Um, <laughs> just want to see his uh, face turn red. Um, I, I would offer that this isn't this this is not perfect, but I think this is uh, a, a good option tonight that we have a good item, and I am going to be supporting it. I have not supported them in the past because I don't think they address the problem, and that's the inequity that Supervisor Brona out, outlined. It's really the difference between an individual that has a defined benefit plan and an individual that has a defined <coughs> contribution plan. And if you, under the old system or the existing system, if you have a defined contribution plan and you have any money in the bank, you're going to be not eligible for the relief. So I think this doesn't solve all of the inequities, but it bridges a lot of those gaps and is a good 
step in the direction of, of getting there. So I will support this, and I do appreciate, even though he won't accept my amendment, uh, Supervisor Bonus tenacity on this, and uh, it's, it's a good item. Thank you. Supervisor Letourneau. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, well, I am the one uh, that Mr. Bona referred to, um, and uh, I do admire his tenacity, and I, and I, I, I know the sincerity by which um, this, this item is offered, and um, I share the soft spot that Mr. Bona mentioned. I really do. I, I am so proud of the, the senior center that we're building in Dulles South and have fought for that, and I can't wait for it to open um, because I think that, frankly, of all of our county spectrum, um, we spend an awful lot of money on some age brackets and almost no money on others, and we can be doing more. But I don't support uh, this program, um, at least as offered here. Um, and I think I'm not opposed to fixing the inequity, but the parameters by which we entered this discussion were that we couldn't take anybody off the program currently who is on it, and I just don't agree with that because – um, I think there could have been ways to do this in such a way where we could have had a fairer program for everybody, but that may have meant that some people who currently get the full relief may not get it anymore. Um, look, it's, it's not fun for us to say no until everybody's going to vote for this, but this is an expensive item. This is a, between 2.8 and 3, 1.2 and 3, and 2.8 million dollars, we think. We don't actually know because we don't know what people's net worth are. We're estimating. Could be higher than this. Uh, we'll see. Um, and when you start thinking about it, looking at the parameters of what we're trying to do here, um, there's sort of a degree of social engineering involved that's a little bit unsettling. Uh, there are a lot of people in this county that have a lot of needs. There are single parents who are making less than 46000 and who have a net worth far less than 920000 who are trying to pay those same bills and sometimes those same property taxes. There's, you know, women in abusive relationships whose husbands leave them and they get stuck in this type of situation or who they leave their husbands and so on. All those sorts of things happen in a big community like this. Um, and so for us to kind of pounce in and just expand and expand and expand and try to give relief for this one sector, it's just a little bit unsettling to me because the reality is the 1.8 to 2.8 million is going to be made up. That's not just revenue we write off. It just means that everybody else, including people in those circumstances, are going to have to pay more in order to do that. Finally, I will say, I have been tracking the demographics very carefully, and I understand the point that we don't have the national average number of seniors, but that has nothing whatsoever to do with this. We are a very young community. We've been growing at a rate that far exceeds almost anybody else in Virginia, and the people we're attracting um, are people who are coming here for our school system and for all of other services. Uh, you just look at who's moving in. Um, and that is why our average age is very young. We have a ton of children here. Um, we are still growing our senior population. It is increasing year after year after year, and it's increasing in some very wealthy age-restricted communities, quite frankly, um, that my parents couldn't afford to live in. Um, but they don't get tax relief in their home county. Uh, we already have the most generous program probably in the country, and now we're just making it even more so. Um, so um, I... I, I saw a stat, and I was surprised at it. It said Loudoun makes about 10% of Loudoun's population is veterans. And when I think about the veterans coming back today and both the injuries they're coming back with, uh, both mental and physical, and as a one daughter of a veteran, but two also a mental health therapist, is clear, is probably clear by the questions I was asking. And knowing the um, post-traumatic stress, that people are coming back with today from um, war, 
um, from Afghanistan, from Iraq, from all around the country. Um, I think Mr. Letourneau it, it makes a point. We're not, you know, it, we, we, are, we are a young and aging population, but we have quite a few veterans in our population, and we will, I believe, just because of, of our proximity to D.C. and other places, probably see quite a few more veterans coming in. And so if for, if for no other reason, I will support, absolutely support this. I think Mr. Letourneau makes a good point that there's a lot of people out there who are hurting and who are suffering, um, but I don't think we should let the perfect be the enemy of the good. And I think overall this is very, very good. Um, as I said, I, I had not been in office very long. I wasn't even in office yet. I hadn't been sworn in when Mr. Boner sat me down and explained this to me and why. And, and it, it took me about no time at all before I said, how can I help and sign on? I also want to thank um, Dory O'Brien, Mr. Boner's um, 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 assistant. She has been on this ride with him for the past six years and has sat down with my staff um, and went through these numbers uh, with them also and done, has done just loads of research herself. So um, there, are, there, are, there are many, many reasons to do this, um, least of all for me, our veterans population. So back to Mr. Boner. Yes, and thank you for recognizing Dory. Dory spent countless hours on this, even at my kitchen table, trying to dream up new um, plans for how this could work. Um, I get where Mr. Letourneau is coming from. The, the current relief under the current program is about $8.3 million. That's the taxes foregone by the county under the current program. If we approve this, we believe, because it's not perfect the way to estimate it, as Supervisor Turner said, it's between $1.2 and $2.8 million of additional relief. I want to point out that $1.2 million is one-seventh of one penny on the real property tax rate. And 2.8 is two-sevenths of one penny. So we aren't talking an extraordinary impact from this program versus the benefit that it's going to provide to our seniors and to those that are permanently disabled. But I also want to point out something. If our seniors leave, and a lot of them are, I know when I knocked doors campaigning, I had a lot of seniors saying, my kids are here, my grandkids are here, I want to retire, and I can't retire here. I can't afford to. I can't pay the property taxes and stay here. If those seniors leave, who moves into their houses? People with children. The seniors don't put kids in schools, but the people moving in to replace them in those houses with those kids put kids in the schools. That has a much bigger impact on what it's going to cost the county than this relief does. Because one child costs the county, county debt service, over $18,000 a year to educate. So this is cost avoidance. Yeah, we're giving up a little tax revenue, but we're getting rid of a lot of costs, in my opinion, because the kids aren't going to fill these houses when the seniors leave. So in the long run, the net of it is we're going to be better off by giving this relief, and I think that's something people have really missed along the way. Can I ask staff to put up slide number three? Okay, is it possible to enlarge that? In my age, my eyes are only so good. Everybody see that white box on the left and that vertical line going down? That's today's program. That's the cliff. So if you're in the checkered area, you don't get relief. It's an instant cliff. It's a vertical line. Can you put slide five up? Look at all the white space now. See, on the top of those white bars, there's a little bit of dotted stuff. 
That's where the, this current program isn't quite perfect. But look at what we've corrected. And we don't have this one vertical, vertical cliff anymore. We're phasing it down as people's incomes and net worths move, which is a much fairer proposition. Because if I have 440000 in the bank and you have $1 more in the bank, I get 100% relief and you get zero. You have $1 more than me and you get zero and I get 100%. That's what the slide three showed. That's not fair. And this is an attempt to kind of smooth that out and make the system equitable. So that, all that said, uh, I would appreciate my colleague's support. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Bona. All in favor of this item, please say aye. 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 Opposed? Aye. That motion will pass 8-0. Eight 8-1. Eight I'm sorry, 8-1. Uh, we're going to go to item number 8 because we have some speakers on item number 8. So we're going to go to item number 8 right now. And I do believe this is the first time that this item's come before the full board. And so we're going to do the presentation. It's, uh, it's 18 slides long. And I know everyone's going to like, you know, but it's the first time we're seeing this one. Good evening. Good evening, Madam Chair, members of the board, Steve Barney, Department of Planning and Zoning. Uh, this is uh, Virginia Fusion Park, and the property is located on Briarfield Lane, southwest of Evergreen Mills Road. This is across from the entrance to the Briarfield Estate subdivision. Uh, these are special exception applications to establish a lighted soccer field in the CR1 or Countryside Residential 1 district. So this would be a to establish an outdoor recreation establishment, lighted playing fields, to modify lighting requirements, and modify buffer yard requirements. The front of the site has an existing home, currently not used for residential purposes, and a gravel parking area, and the rear has been gr graded to create a soccer field. On the left side of the screen is the view from the parking area facing west. You'll note that due to the grading, there's about a 15-foot drop from the parking lot to the field, and so the field is situated lower than some surrounding properties. There's a chain link fence uh, with, a, with 20 feet of netting on top. And on the right is the gravel parking area facing Briarfield Lane and the entrance to the Briarfield Estate subdivision. All surrounding properties are also zoned CR1. Uh, this district does permit residential, uh, with the exception of the area to the north, uh, zoned PDIP as part of the Evergreen Meadows development. And, uh, these properties are in the LBN 65 noise contour, where the subject property is. Briefly, surrounding uses. Orange shows residential uses. Green is vacant. And red shows current or future commercial uses. Evergreen Meadows to the north in red uh, has been approved by the board, uh, however, not yet constructed. East of Evergreen Meadows, there are two uh, orange residential uses. And these are the only two active residential uses uh, adjacent to the property. There is a landscape, landscaping company to the south of the property, also shown in red. Uh, this was approved in the form of a home occupation. It's not clear um, whether it still currently, currently fits that standard. And undeveloped properties in green to the west. Briarfield Estate subdivision is located across Briarfield Lane uh, and two HOA lots front the, the road. The applicant proposes one large regulation-sized soccer field, uh, shown in blue, and, um, but with the flexibility to create two smaller fields, shown in red, for um, uh, younger soccer players. The applicant proposes to rent the fields to soccer clubs and camps, 
and limit the use to training and youth recreational matches with no professional matches. Conditions of approval, establish hours of operation from uh, 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. Um, Monday through Friday uh, during the school year, uh, hours would be limit, limited to uh, 4 p.m. to 10 p.m. during weekdays, and weekdays during the school year would be limited to soccer practices. Lighting modifications, the applicant proposes to increase light spillover on adjacent properties and eliminate the requirement that lights be shielded so the direct glare of the bulb is not visible from beyond the property line of the parcel. This is the, um, an annotated version of the applicant's lighting plan. The applicant has recently reduced the number of light poles from six to four poles. Poles are now located closer to the center of the property. Um, the uh, zoning ordinance requires uh, no more than 0 .025 foot candles of lighting measured at the property line. And the maximum that the applicant is currently showing is 6.99 foot candles at the property line. So this is part of the modification request. Um, so again, the area of light spillover has been greatly reduced from earlier submissions. Staff would still recommend achieving the 0 .025 foot candle uh, standard at the property line. However, we, we do acknowledge that there are no existing residential uses uh, that would be impacted by lighting spillover. Can you explain what a foot candle is? I, uh, <laughs> it is uh, simply the, the technical light measurement that the zoning ordinance uses. I, um, I'm, I'm afraid I, I can't give you more detail beyond that, but that's something we could uh, do more research and get back to the board. Okay, okay. Um, so there, there is a moderate amount of spillover on the properties to the south. Uh, that's the landscaping company in the red and the vacant property in green. And the spillover to the north is on the Evergreen Meadows uh, future development property. And uh, light will likely still be visible from other properties, but very little in the way of spillover. The applicant is proposing uh, Musco LED lighting fixtures, the same that Loudoun County Public Schools uses for its facilities. In terms of buffer yard modifications, applicant would provide a full buffer yard to the north adjacent to Evergreen Meadows, uh, modified buffer yards to the east, and a portion of the north, and no buffer yard proposed to the south and west. So there are some outstanding issues. In terms of the land use, generally the soccer field is consistent with the business type use that the revised general plan envisions for this area. And we do note this is in the LBN 65. Uh, however, um, there are uh, issues with respect to parking sufficiency, compatibility with some nearby properties, uh, which I'll describe further, and capacity of the Briarfield Lane, Evergreen Mills Road intersection. In terms of parking issues, the applicant is proposing 43 spaces at the front of the site. The Parks and Recreation standard is uh, 60 spaces per field. The applicant is proposing uh, to use two playing fields to conduct two games at, at the same time or practice by up to four teams at the same time. So this would suggest uh, using park standard 120 spaces. Uh, I do know parking requirements could be reduced somewhat uh, due to a condition the applicant has agreed to to schedule a half hour gap between games and practices. Um, 
There are no existing land uses in the site that would qualify for shared parking per zoning ordinance standards. After Evergreen Meadows is the site plan is approved and the development is built, that development would be eligible to participate in shared parking with the applicant. I understand that uh, the Evergreen Meadows developer and the applicant have had conversations to this effect, um, but this would need to wait until the property were developed. Uh, the Planning Commission did discuss on-street parking on Briarfield Lane. Uh, Briarfield Lane was designed with 22 feet of pavement width and four-foot shoulders. It is not designed for on-street parking. There is a condition currently to restrict on-street parking on Briarfield Lane. The applicant is not in agreement. Uh, I'll also note we did receive an unusual number of comments in Lola on this application, approximately 50 comments. There were a number of comments regarding on-street parking on Briarfield Lane. And just briefly by way of comparison, these are some approved applications for soccer fields and their parking ranging from 75 spaces per field for Dawson's Corner to 30 per field for Evergreen Sportsplex. Uh, the applicant proposes 21.5 spaces per field. And I should note that Loudoun Youth Soccer and Evergreen Sportsplex also have other spaces uh, not reflected here through shared parking arrangements with other uses. Briefly on compatibility, Staff finds the 80-foot proposed pole height is not in character with the surrounding area. Uh, landscaping modifications to eliminate the southern and western buffer yards, uh, staff does not recommend. And uh, lighting spillover, while greatly improved, staff would recommend that the development comply with the ordinance standard of 0.25 foot candles at the property line. And finally, uh, Evergreen Mills Road, uh, we are, of course, aware that the county will be improving the intersection of Evergreen Mills Road and Briarfield Lane. However, this improvement won't take place until 2024. The intersection currently has a failing level of service. The countywide transportation plan uh, recommends turn lanes at this intersection. So in order to mitigate the existing failing level of service, staff recommends that the applicant provide a left turn lane at this intersection. And the conditions do address the turn lane. However, the applicant is not in agreement. Um, just to clarify, I do want to make the board aware that there are three conditions that were not recommended by the Planning Commission. Um, uh, part of condition number three, limiting the number of games or practices that can take place uh, at the same time, although staff and the applicant are in discussion about this condition. A condition uh, that the applicant would install no parking signage on Briarfield Lane, subject to VDOT approval, and a condition uh, to install the left turn lane on Evergreen Mills Road. So with that, staff recommends forwarding the applications to a business meeting for additional discussion. Thank you, sir. For the good of the board, Mr. Bona has looked up the definition of a foot candle. Mr. Bona, will you give that definition, please? Yeah, this ought to sell it for you. One foot candle is equal to one lumen per square foot, which is approximately equal to 10.764 lux. Okay. So I hope that answers the question for you. There we you. go. <laughs> there we go. All right. Questions for staff, please. I'll help you. <laughs> 60, 60 lux is a 100-watt light bulb. Okay. So. Oh, okay. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Letourneau? Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, so can, can you go back a slide or two to the intersection? Yeah, there you go. So kind of my nightmare scenario here is somebody has taken a left into Briarfield Lane, and it's a green light here. Um, and they've got to wait for traffic coming eastbound to clear before they can do that. 
And so if this application increases traffic going into Briarfield Lane, it increases the risk for that situation to happen. Because when that happens, everybody else trying to go westbound on Evergreen Mills Road now is blocked until you can clear. That said, um, there has been some, some, some changes to the traffic patterns here since Loudoun County Parkway opened. So I do want to understand how recent our traffic counts are and what our level of service is. Um, and if that's based on any changes that have occurred with Loudoun County Parkway opening. My personal experience is that this intersection is better than it was, but I don't know if it's good enough to mitigate my concern. DTCI staff is available to address that. Thank you, Board. Uh, Rory Toth with the Department of Transportation Capital Infrastructure. To answer your question, yes, the traffic study that was submitted with the special exception application uh, was redone, if you will, uh, to include uh, the opening of Loudoun County Parkway. Now there is a, you know, a diversion, if you will, of trips um, on uh, that intersection coming you know, southbound on Belmont Ridge Road, um, also going west and coming east. But um, again, there it's not enough, if you will, to mitigate the concerns yeah. with not having it left. Um, you're not going to be able to give it to me tonight, but I would like a cost estimate for what a turn lane project here would cost. Um, I mean, I'm guessing that probably the issue, and we'll get to the applicant, but I'm going to guess it's probably more economic than anything else. It's not necessarily that there's an actual disagreement that there shouldn't be a turn lane, because I think there should be. But given what the applicant's proposing, there's probably more of an economic concern. Um, I think the condition that staff is recommending do you put it on the county? Let me go back to acquire the right of way eventually if the applicant can't. Is that what it said? That's correct. Okay. So we may get, and we may end up getting stuck with some portion of that bill anyway. But um, the Evergreen Mills Road widening project, 2024, at which point would we be able to incorporate a future turn lane or would it just all get ripped up and started over all over again? That is the concern that we have and the applicant has is if a turn lane were to be constructed at this point in time, um, there is a concern that it would have to be ripped out and as the interchange or as the uh, intersection. Oh, I'm unfortunately, I'm running out of time, but if, I guess we're going to have to figure out where we are CIP-wise with this project if it's going to move forward at all and whether um, there's a way to integrate that. But, okay. Thank you. Mr. Buffington. Thank you, Madam Chair. <clears throat> Uh, staff, correct me if I'm wrong, but some other by right uses that could be done without our permission uh, if the applicant was to decide to do something different is commuter parking lot, uh, production nursery, recycling drop-off collection center. Is it, are those three of the by right uses? That's correct. Okay. Those are pretty intense, so we should keep that in mind. Uh, with the light poles uh, being 80 foot, what were they before? Were they, were they shorter before, but there were more of them? There have always been 80-foot light poles, but there were six previously. There are now four. Okay. And what if he was to have six and reduce it to 60-foot? Would that How would that affect the light? Uh, I would have to direct that to the, the applicant's lighting consultant. Can you get back to us uh, at the next meeting? I'm going to forward this to the business meeting if the board approves, uh, if the board agrees with me on January 18th. Uh, so can you have more information on that by then? I'm looking for... What, are, what would be the shortest poles possible and still provide sufficient light with the least spillover? Um, regarding noise, there's, there's nothing in here that would exempt them from the noise ordinance, right? That's correct. That was one concern. So 
Uh, he's covered by the noise ordinance just as everyone else throughout the county. Um, for parking, he has he has permission to park on adjoining properties, but my understanding is that he can't do that until those properties are paved or upgraded? Uh, until there are approved commercial uses on those adjacent properties uh, and there's been a site plan and a um, actual commercial use in place with, with parking. Okay. Uh, also, regarding parking on Briarfield Lane and Bishop Mead Place, uh, I think that the applicant would be willing to agree to a condition of approval that uh, he have parents sign off when they sign up their children that they will not park on those streets. If that uh, is something he would be agreeable to, then could that be a condition of approval in the application? Um, we can certainly discuss that with zoning staff regarding the, the enforceability, certainly. And same with turn lane. Uh, I believe that he would be willing to have parents sign up saying, um, you know, initial something on the paperwork when they sign up saying that they will come from another direction other than making a left-hand turn from Evergreen Mills Road onto Briarfield Lane. If they were to do that, would that be uh, something that we could include as a condition of approval? Um, I, I think um, I'd interject. Uh, it, it, we'll, we'll look into it as, as Steve stated, but the, the key is how do you how do you effectively enforce that? Understood. So that, but we'll look into it for you. Understood. I think I'm out of time for now. Thank you. Thank you, sir. So um, that was going to be my questions. Even if they, even if parents did sign up, there's no enforcement mechanism for that, as far as as far as I can tell. If 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 I'm wrong, let me know. But I can't I can't think of any enforcement mechanism for that at all. Can we go back to to number seven um, and talk about the lighting some more? Has and maybe this might be a question for the applicant. Is the applicant planning to put the kind of the lid the the shield on the lights that that directs the light down to the field. I know that um, when Evergreen Sportsplex was first built, that wasn't there, and they have since retrofitted the light so that the light shines directly onto a, a space on the field. Has it, tell me, tell me, is that what you mean by this? Do they plan to do that? Has there any discussion about putting shields on that directs the lighting? Yes, that is my understanding. I believe the applicant has a um, photo of the proposed light fixture in their presentation. Okay. All right. So I'll ask them that question. Miss okay. um, Bopi? Uh, thank you, Madam Chair. Um, I'm going to offer out also an easy suggestion, since that's a two-lane road. On Potomac View Road, when there were people parking along the road uh, by the Northern Virginia Community College uh, soccer fields, uh, we worked with VDOT, and they actually put up no parking signs. So that kind of just stopped it, throwing that out. Thanks. Bye. Mr. Meyer. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, Mr. Barney, we ran into a little bit of an issue with Top Golf when they installed their lights because the lights were directly in the view of drivers on the road. Um, I'm wondering, does staff have any concerns, or do they see the mitigation sufficient to make sure that light the light fixtures will not glare into the eyes of drivers either on Belmont Ridge Road or on Evergreen Mills? The, um, the lights are directed north and south, so the two lights on the south side of the property um, are facing Evergreen Mills Road. Um, they are downward directed and shielded, 
Um, so we, we anticipate that it will be shining more directly on the field rather than shining directly into the um, uh, traffic on Evergreen Mills Road, but that's that's something that we can confirm. Are there zoning before. regulations, further zoning regulations that prohibit that? So if there's, if they, if some reason the fixtures weren't pointed the correct direction, they were pointed towards the eyes of drivers, there's zoning regulations that govern that, correct? Lighting has to be downlit according to the zoning ordinance. Okay, yeah, that, that's simple enough. Um, would this be the new, would this be a new parking precedent that could then be argued by future applicants that the, this would be the new precedent? That it, we would say that we drop down to 21 and a half spaces per field? Regarding questions of precedent, I would defer to the county attorney's office, but I would say generally that it would, it would be additional information for the board that there was. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll direct it at the county attorney if he believes that it would be hard for us to <coughs> enforce parking requirements in the future if we were to approve this because of precedent. Each, each case and each decision that you make constitutes a precedent and can be used uh, by an applicant in their case. I think the unique factors of each case of what you need to consider as to whether or not you waive the parking requirements. But certainly another applicant would point to this as your ability to make such a waiver. Okay. All right. Thank you. Mr. Higgins? Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, I guess I have a question to the uh, applicant on the uh, noise issues. It, it's, it um, says here that you've agreed to uh, limiting the hours of operation from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. Is that correct? Hey, Mr. Higgins, we're going to have them, Mr. the applicant do a full presentation, and then we'll do applicant questions right now. Well, after that. Let me go back to that. Okay. Uh, I, same question. The uh, noise is, is um, limited to op hours of operation of 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. Does, does that include, um, it, does that mean that, and then it says, and prohibiting use of outdoor public address speakers or similar amplification. Does that mean that amplification can be used inside the hours of operation? Um, that they're not, it's not used at all? Uh, no use of ampli amplification at all. Not, not at all? Correct. Okay, that, that wasn't clear to me. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll make, really I'll make more of a statement than a question. Is... Uh, the issue with shielding the lights. I know in other areas when we've had problems or complaints anyway, that's probably one of the major complaints about the lights and either being shielded or hooded or directional or whatever. And um, well, I know it's an additional expense. It, it is something that is, uh, helps to calm people down about the facility. So just a comment. Mr. Sainz. Thank you, Madam Chair. A uh, quick question. Was there any, I guess, community meetings, or did we get any input from the community on how, how they felt about the expansion? The applicant did uh, conduct a meeting with the Briarfield Estates Homeowners Association, and uh, staff also received a um, comment letter from the Homeowners Association today. And what was that letter? Uh, the association was not in favor. Okay. How come it was not in the packet? Oh, you said he got it today. Sorry, but okay. All right, thank you. And you said they were not in favor. Of the uh, that's correct. Did they uh, give a list of reasons or uh, lighting, noise, parking, and concerns about the intersection were some of the key ones. Okay, thank you. 
Thank you. Um, to the applicant, thank you. Uh, welcome. You have 10 minutes. Uh, you can sit where you are and speak, or you can stand at the podium and speak. And then afterwards, there may be questions for you whenever you're ready. Okay. I don't have a mouse over there, clicker. Okay, uh, good evening, Madam Chair and members of the board. My name is Russ Forno. I'm a land use planner with Odin, Feldman, and Pittleman. The applicant uh, whom I'm speaking on behalf here tonight is Bronco Pantovic of Virginia Fusion Football Club, LLC. Also with us right there behind me is Chris Turnbull of Wells & Associates. He is here to answer, and he's a traffic engineer and here to answer any questions related to transportation or the analyses that were provided in the staff report. Uh, before I go further, I want to quickly state for the record that uh, the required affidavits have been submitted to the clerk in accordance with the county affirmation procedures. Um, for your consideration tonight are special exception applications for a soccer park, obviously. Not like the large structural recreational facilities we see around the county. This is more traditional in size and character, um, something that is more that has that low-scale community feel, and in particular, is what this county desperately needs. I um, will interject real quickly that, um, that the PC did recommend this unanimously, and they did consider all 50-plus comments that were submitted online, including the, uh, the public objections that were made at, that, at the uh, hearing. Okay. Um, in a 2012 staff document, PRCS reported 169 field deficit across the county. Since then, it, and it's written in the adopted budget for FY18, it was reported that only 14 fields have since been added to the inventory. Of course, this does not account for the current planning and development projects that are pending for even more fields. But what my point is, is the truth is that this problem is persisting. And if we are to remain a, a premier sports destination and continue to benefit economically off-field, then we need to seek out private athletic parks like Branco Pantovic's. Uh, this is a quick slide um, just to quickly show you. The uh, site is located directly in the path of the, uh, one of the runways, Bellis Airport, and is um, in the 65 LVM. Um, and I'm not going to go into much detail about zoning and comp, comp uh, plan designations as uh, Barney has, Mr. Barney has said that, you know, that everything is compliance in terms of the proposed use in that respect. Um, but I do want to say that the, uh, that the parks and open spaces uses are specifically desired in this land use designation, this business land use designation, which is everywhere. It surrounds all this. It's not shown on the, on the slide. This is just showing the, um, the 65 contours. Um, but Bronco's soccer park is, a perf is perfect in scale and intensity for commercial use located in this location, close to a residential community, and close to 72 homes, in, in fact. Now, you see Bronco is a very passionate about the soccer sport and wants to share his experience as a, as a former professional soccer player and teach kids, lots of kids, the love of the sport and the life skills that come with it. He does not want to build a commuter park by right, although it would have been much simpler 
to do, and there was a there was a pressure to have uh, more of these types of commuter park facilities with the coming metro and the needed the need to tackle our uh, congestion problems within our own borders. That's not him. Um, he wouldn't do that. He'd rather pay the huge expenses than follow his dream. So that's why we're here today. Okay. Okay, this slide shows um, every landowner, as Mr. Barney had pointed out, that we have met with, we have sought feedback from, and we have resolved with to the very best of our ability. We have contacted, we met with the HOA, we followed up asking for further responses to keep in touch with us and ask for their support. We have not heard any responses from them since we requested follow-up information and tried to request any kind of follow-up from the HOA meeting we had with them back in either March. Yeah. Okay. So, lights. This is a representation of how far we've come with outdoor field lighting technology. Virginia Fusion Park will be using LED, an LED bulb variety just released earlier this year. It is the one on the far right of your screen. Next to it is the metal halide, uh, more commonly known as HIDs uh, that most people know by, which are like those projector lights that the high-end cars came out in the early 2000s. Anyway, you can see how there is a significant difference with the ones proposed for the soccer park. The, the second one from the left, um, those, metal those are metal halides, and that was what was provided at the Evergreen Sportsplex. And it was not a Musco product, it was more of a second-rate product, from what I understand. Um, these are the lights. We're putting four of them up. 80-foot poles of die-cast aluminum with the row of LED fixtures. You can see the direct glare of the bulb. You can't see the direct air of the bulb unless you're directly underneath it or in close proximity to the pole. Um, it would be extremely limited if there was any glare from far away as it is recessed in the housing, as you can see, and shielded on three sides. The purpose of the 80-foot poles, which is not unusual, which is commonplace in this county and other jurisdictions, maximize the ability to focus the light spill, your foot candles, onto the field. The 80-foot height should not be a concern, like I said, as they are commonplace among school athletic fields and public parks with lighted rec facilities in the suburban policy area. Burns Ridge Park, Arcola Elementary School, Broad Run High School, just to name a few. Now a handful of residents from the 72 home community nearby have expressed some real concerns, and like I said before, we have made great efforts, as the staff is aware, to address them as reasonably as possible. Glare. This uh, view from the field towards Briarfield Lane and the residential community beyond, which is Briarfield Estate, shows about a 10-foot rise in grade, which is what um, Mr. Barney had alluded to earlier in his presentation. Um, so the nearest home in Briarfield Estates is approximately more uh, plus 550 feet away. And that elevation of that nearest home is the same elevation as the roadway. So you can subtract 10 from the 80-foot pole, it's 70 foot. Still, you could probably see it. But we did share our modeling that Musco provided to us with staff to show that the candelas, which is a unit of measurement for glare, um, was zero at 555 feet. Um, 
Nevertheless, as part of Moscow's post-installation procedures of their lighting systems, they have told us that they will undergo a fine-tuning of where, where at that time they will apply additional shielding if needed on top of what you saw in the previous slide. Spill. I'll go quickly through here. Uh, we've reduced our proposed lighting, as uh, Mr. Barney said, from six poles down to four. This is the yellow line is showing where that light spill meets the zoning ordinance standard. The orange is from our previous initial proposal of six poles. You can see that there's quite an improvement. We believe staff's concern over the provision of adequate parking can be resolved in this fashion. The graphic identifies additional parking space opportunities that the applicant has secured. The 50 to 70 spaces in blue is over the recently rezoned Evergreen Meadows development. The landowner of Evergreen Meadows is here tonight and he will be addressing you during public comment. The 25 spaces on the other side of the park are now under a license that gives the applicant the authority to park any overflow. Just adding those two in total gives you 138 parking spaces, including the on-site 43 spaces. When construction begins of the Evergreen Meadows daycare and dance studio, approximately 2019, the 70 spaces along 621 will become unavailable, yet the soccer park will still have the extra parking available. Those are the places depicted by the red numbers. Once the Evergreen Meadows construction is complete, Bronco will have the use of 50 spaces again to serve as overflow due to um, uses uh, operating at different hours under a shared program agreement. Although, although we had applied the zoning ordinance standard for our parking analysis as directed by staff from their review comments initially, and now again to a standard used by PRCS that is not required under the zoning ordinance and seems to be a moving target, by the way. Um, there are other parks and rec applications where they use a lower standard than 60 spaces per field. We want you to understand we are trying, we're really trying to work with staff to arrive at an agreeable solution. Vir just to end, Virginia Fusion Park is not some franchise or owned by a large organization. It is one man with a dream to give back to the community. Bronco even partnered up with Hope Faster. I, I'm going to have to stop you right now because I stick pretty close to my, to my time frames. I am going to ask that your traffic engineer come to the table because he may actually receive questions from, st from the board as, as we go through questions to the applicant. And I thank you for your presentation, sir. Questions for the applicant. Mr. Buffington. Thank you, Madam Chair. First, we'll be sending this to probably the December, I'm sorry, January 18th business meeting, and I think the critical action date is tonight. Would you be willing to extend that to the January 18th business meeting? Yes, sir, I would. Thank you. Um, would you be willing to agree to some of the conditions, or to all of the conditions of approval that I mentioned earlier, being pa having parents sign off on no parking on Briarfield Lane and Bishop Mead uh, Place? We would also, I agree with you, uh, Supervisor Letourneau, want to seek, our Supervisor Volpe, want to seek from VDOT the no parking signs there. Also, the 30-minute uh, gap between games and practices, either 30 minutes or more than that. And parents signing off on uh, coming another way other than turning left from Evergreen Mills onto Briarfield Lane. Yes, I would. We have done a lot of work on Evergreen Mills Road and surrounding roads to 
improve the traffic situation there. The last thing we want to do is make it worse. Uh, with lights, uh, are you willing to work with staff between now and then to see if there's anything that can be done uh, with lo lesser height poles, like lower poles, that can get you the light that you need? Oh, absolutely. Okay. And the problem I see right now is that you cannot park on adjoining sites currently until they're developed and uh, staff feels that you have sufficient parking at that point. They're not going to be developed for a while. Uh, so my question is, would you be willing to agree to a condition of approval restricting you to one, one game and two practices until such time as sufficient parking spaces are available on adjoining uh, lots? Yes, of course. Um, and just a comment. I drove out here the other night, and I think it's okay through through to about here, driving-wise, unless you're in a big truck or something. But if you're in a small car like I was, if you can you can get to about here, no problem. But to try and get through this part uh, with a small car is is going to be difficult. And so I can, I could see this possibly being a solution for parking while this stuff is under development. But in the in once that has been developed, I, I would not see this being used at all. And that's quite a distance as well to be parking down here and walking with your little son or daughter up there for soccer practice and then back after the game. And it's very dark, so if it's dark, there's no lighting back there. Um, so those are my questions for and comments. Thank you, Mr. Buffington. Mr. Meyer. Uh, thank you, Madam Chair. So I'm trying to understand, maybe this is a question for both staff and then maybe the applicant. Why aren't we talking about a condition of approval that has to do with some sort of contractual obligation with the surrounding applicants? Or because it seems like they're saying that they have neighbors, neighboring properties that are willing to enter in a contractual relationship for these spaces. So couldn't we put that into a proffer? Neither of the adjacent properties have an approved commercial use uh, or approved site plan or facilities constructed according to an approved commercial site plan at this point and would, would hence be ineligible currently for, um, for shared parking. Um, now you're saying these sites in, the site in blue, the 50 to 70, is currently ineligible? There is no approved site plan for the property and no use has been constructed. The use would need to be constructed before we could exercise the zoning ordinance standard for shared parking. All right. So that's basically off the table for the foreseeable future because even a site plan takes a period of months and then those sorts of applications take a significant amount of time. Um, so we're really talking about 43 spaces because I agree with Supervisor Buffington. There's no way someone's going to walk a quarter mile plus with their kid and probably, I mean, especially if it's a lit field and, and dark conditions over there, it's just not going to happen. Um, I guess my question for the applicant would be, would you be willing to accept some significant restrictions, and I don't know what significant is at this point, until you can actually grow this parking requirement? I mean, I think it might have to be more than what Supervisor Buffington even outlined. And this is one of the reasons why I'm, I'm glad you're willing to extend the critical action date. For, for me, I, th I take these, these concerns from staff seriously. It seems like this is something we might need to work on in, our, in <coughs> Transportation and Land Use Committee. But you're willing to work with, what sounds like is you're willing to work with Supervisor Buffington to try to figure out some sort of compromise here, correct? Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah, because I'm, I'm, ha I'm going to have a hard time setting that low of a precedent going forward for these single field uses, especially across the street from neighborhoods. 
Um, and I think the neighborhood has legitimate concerns. I could totally see why they wrote the letter that they did, but we need to get we need to address those issues before we move this application forward. And I think Supervisor Buffington agrees. Thank you, Mr. Letourneau. I'll, I'll be brief. I don't think we need to belabor it too much, but um, you didn't really address any of the parking issues in the application in the presentation. Um, I mean, the traffic issues. Is the objection to the left turn lane an economic one primarily? Yes, sir. Yes, it is. Okay. Um, from a traffic engineering standpoint, are you disputing well, kind of the staff analysis or? No. I, part of their uh, rationale is they're looking at the existing condition, which is out of failing condition. Yeah. One of the things, and we did do counts right after Loudoun County Parkway opened, so we do show some reductions at that yeah. intersection from the counts that were done in 2015, I believe, or even 16. So we do have a significant reduction. But the other part is, is we're looking at a future condition in the near term where there's other improvements where Evergreen Mill Road connects to Shreveport. And when that connection occurs, and my understanding, it's just waiting on some easements with Novak, um, that there's gonna be another round of reductions in traffic. So. That's part of it. The other part uh, is that we made a provision to move the beginning practice to before the peak hour to limit the amount of traffic that's going through during the peak period of the traffic. So we've reduced trips from 35 going through the intersections. So the peak, I mean, it's, what are the, I looked at, I think it was attachment eight that had the practice or the event schedule. I mean, it's still sort of in that rush hour period, right? It, we had proposed having it at 4.15 is the first practice period. Okay. So um, the peak hour occurred at 4.45 to 5.45, but the half hour before that is about the same volume. So that's why we picked the 4.15 time period to kind of limit the load at the intersection during the critical peak hour. Yeah, I mean, we're familiar with the Briarfield issue that's come up in a previous application. I mean, the uh, the uh, Shreveport issue, but I'm, I, there's a bunch of other uses on Evergreen that are coming, so. Thank you, Ms. Volpe. Thank you, Madam Chair. Because uh, I'm a little concerned uh, because, for example, in the conditions of approval that are in our packet, which from my understanding is what came out of the Planning Commission, um, something we learned a little earlier this evening, a good refresher, is, you know, applicants are supposed to kind of agree to some of the stuff. You know, item number 11 is about the no parking signage, you know, of course, subject to the approval of VDOT. And the left turn lane, you know, subject to VDOT approval, it's that you all would bond for construction of a northbound left turn lane from Evergreen Mills Road to the westbound Briarfield Lane prior to the approval of the first site plan for any specs use. Um, I would be more comfortable, and I give all due deference to um, Supervisor Buffington, but before we vote on this, I would really like to know where VDOT is on all of this, and especially with the future uh, uses that are in the area and other road construction and that type of thing. Um, because I don't want us to be in a situation where we create a problem and then later on, uh, in this uh, condition of approval, it says at some point, you know, we then quote unquote release you from it and then later on find out we actually have a problem. And so then we, the county, are on the hook to fix a problem. 
Thank you. So I want to thank you for coming in, and I understand that this is something, a, a, a dream that you have to help the county, and I want to say I appreciate that. I do have a couple of questions. Um, do you have any plans to build stands in the future? No, we don't. What we have is we have the hillside surrounding the field, so there's ample seating on on the okay. on the hillside. Okay. The parents won't even have to go on the field. Okay. And we have a deck that's a 60-foot deck that the parents can watch the games from. It's a 22-foot height, so it's not 10 feet. Okay. So it's pretty significantly okay. high. It's a great vantage point. So my next question is, your hours operations are, those are kind of late. So the 10 o'clock, <clears throat> I'm assuming if you're going to be that late, you're going to have adult leagues playing because most children are going to be in bed by 10 o'clock. Um, Ma'am, um, Loudon Soccer Park is open till. I understand. I think it's late, so I'm just asking about you. Right. No, no, no. <laughs> We're 10 o'clock, and we'll probably finish practice at 9:45, and there will not be any adult usage. Um, it is just going to be the older kids who are 18 years will be there from 8:30 to 9:45. Okay. But there will no, there will not be any adult leagues. And my last question is, have you had any discussions with the airport since you, are all, since you are inside the 65? I'm not saying you have to. You certainly do not have to. I'm just curious as if, you, if you have had any discussions with the airport being inside the 65. No, we have not had any direct con uh, conversations with the airport, although this is not unusual to have parks within runway paths. And uh, there are existing tr utility transmission lines that are a lot taller than 80 feet within the 65 LDN. Okay, thank you. So now we have public comments on this on this um, item. We have right now five people, so I'm going to call your names. You can come to the to either podium to speak, um, and I will call you in advance. The first speaker will be Ronick Patel, followed by Aaron Hurtler, uh, and then Edith Perry. Hi, good evening. Good evening. Um, my name is Veronak Patel. I, am, uh, I live in Briarfield Estates for the last four years. I am a, also a homeowner. Um, I'm one of the board members at the uh, HOA for the Briarfield Estates, so I'm here on representing them. Um, definitely wrote some stuff down, so I wanted to uh, share some things with you. 80-foot um, light poles will be in eyeshore and are not allowed anywhere else in the county, so they, should, they shouldn't be allowed here as well even if the requester has changed the application from six to four. Light spill will be four times as the county allows anywhere else. Um, and I wanna try to repeat the next one twice if I could. Our county only has one entrance and exit. Um, and it straddles the entrance and the exits to this park. Increased traffic and it has the potential to impact emergency vehicles from reaching our community. So again, we only have one entrance and one exit. So, and we have 72 homes there. Um, we are asking the county to perform an independent traffic and parking study and not rely on the applicant's data since it can be skewed in their favor. Uh, multiple, and this is a key thing for, you know, VDOT as well as we're looking into, multiple vehicle fatalities have happened on Evergreen Mills Road in the last 12 months. The county should consider this and nearby infrastructure before allowing additional traffic at an already dangerous intersection. Um, when the owner 
uh, and the representatives attended our HOA meeting, they led us to believe everything they were doing was within the county rules and regulations. As the application shows, that is not true. And we were lied to us as an association. Uh, Briarfield Lane and Bishop Mead do not have sidewalks. Uh, and residents and guests often have to walk on the street and increased traffic has the potential um, for uh, accidents since there are no sidewalks. Um, owners have the support from neighboring lot owners who are not residents but own commercial, private, uh, commercial property. Briarfield has 72 homes that should be considered. So just wanted to, as a resident, just wanted to make sure we have you know, one entrance, one exit. It's very dangerous, even at that, that signal. Um, you, I know you said you saw it there. It's the more increase you have in there, the more traffic you get, it will be very difficult for thank uh, you, the Mr. county. Patel. And thank then you. just one more thing, safety and no, no, security is no. at risk. You're, you're, thank you That's so it. much. Thank you. Um, Karen, I think, is it, is it Hurtler? Karen? Heitler, followed by Edith Perry. One more. Thank you. Hi. Hi. Uh, I am a resident of Briarfield Estates. I've lived there for five years, and I want to give you a firsthand account of that intersection. That is primarily my concern with more visitors coming in and out of that intersection. Le uh, Supervisor Letourneau said about that left-hand turn from Evergreen Mills is a nightmare. I can tell you right now it is a nightmare. When you take that left-hand turn lane, you're assuming that you can turn at the same time as a northbound car going north on Belmont Ridge. What happens, though, is that the cars behind on Evergreen Mills do not want to wait, and they, turn, they take that right-hand turn lane and they use it. I've almost been hit. Every single resident in our community has either been hit, I have been hit, almost been hit. I've seen multiple accidents. There was another accident over the weekend. I brought show and tell, but we don't have time for that. I've taken pictures of this. It is beyond the point where I think if you have extra uh, people coming into Fusion Park, they are not familiar with this intersection. For most people in here, when you see a green light, green means go. When you're coming north from Briarfield, it does not. You have to wait and cautiously wait to make sure nobody turns left in front of you. I get cut off every time. I was cut off by a sheriff the other day. This is going to lead to more accidents. Evergreen Mills is already dangerous, as you guys already know. We don't need more incidents. The parking situation, again, is not sufficient. They can talk about the potential for other um, parking, but right now it doesn't exist. Again, we have pictures. We don't have time for that. But there are cars lined up on Briarfield. If they don't park on Briarfield, you can put a no parking sign. They won't park on Bishop Mead. They'll park on Cameron Parish. They'll park on Wythridge. It doesn't matter. No one's going to enforce it. Who, Honestly. I mean, we heard earlier today about how another community was had to come in here and try to get enforcement for parking. It is just not the right time yet for this particular um, fusion park. Um, and to answer their, um, their, their comments that there's only been a handful of comments against this, there were 71 comments online from people in our community. I don't know how many have also left emails. I have not talked to one person in our community who is in, um, in enforcement of, of having Fusion Park there. Um, I don't know how we got to this point. We were told when he initially bought the property, it was for his son and to play with his friends. So we looked the other way. Before we knew it, this has morphed out of control. And I would request that these special exceptions not be approved. Thank you. Thank you. And if you'd like to submit your pictures, you can do that. Great. Thanks. Edith Perry, followed by Michael Berry. Good evening. Good evening. 
Um, my name is Edith Perry. I am a resident of Briarfield for the last five years. I was the sixth family there, and I am directly impacted by this park. Since I am the fourth house in, I can see them now. I can see them playing. I hear the screaming. I hear the whistles, and they're saying the lights won't affect us. I can see the lights in Brambleton from my house. So I don't see how this pointing down is going to work for us. We have uh, strangers walking through our community. We have um, cars all up in, you can't get, sometimes you can't even get into your community because they're waiting to find parking in the park. So I've waited there for several minutes in order for people to drive into the park to get in, to go home from work. And um, 10 o'clock, I'm in bed at 9. I get up at 5.30. No, that's not feasible. And we have a lot of children. I mean, just the first three houses coming in have children. So 10 o'clock is not, you know, and then you have teenagers. Come on. That's not, it's just not right. And we were lied to. So I, I'm upset about it because this affects the value of my home. How am I going to sell my house when I have this ginormous park across the street? I mean, that was it. I just, I'm very upset about the whole thing, the safety, and I think we as homeowners should be taking, I mean, very, very careful consideration to be given to us. Okay, I, I don't think this is his only park either, so. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Michael Berry, followed by Robert Batchelder. Good evening. Good evening. My name is Mike Berry. I'm the president of FC Virginia United. We're a um, youth soccer team that's, we represent about a thousand youth players, um, most of which reside in Loudoun County. Um, we've been very fortunate over the last several years to have a great partnership with the county. You allow us access to Bless Park. Um, but as you know, just having access to Bless or at any, in, at any park isn't enough. Um, the youth sports, they're growing. Um, the resources the county have are limited. And there, are more, there is more of a need for parks such as Fusion. And um, we've been blessed. You know, Bronco is very, um, we're very blessed that, that he allowed us opportunity to use his field this fall. And I'm really not sure what we would have done without that. Um, the, again, the resources, you know, it's great that we have blessed, but it's not enough for us and we need more. So to answer your questions, you know, would we be willing to sign a waiver, uh, work with the parking situation, extend times, you know, where we have 30-minute gaps? Um, yes, to all of that, because it's needed, and there's nowhere else to go right now. Um, you know, you were talking about that intersection, and, I, and quite honestly, if it's as bad, and I'm not saying it's not, I'm sure it is as bad as everyone's saying, that's something the county should be looking at with or without this park, if it's really that bad. So I just want to say, um, you know that fields are needed. Um, we've had a great partnership. 
and we hope that it can continue. So I hope you will support this and approve it. And if concessions need to be made, um, our club would be willing to work with that. Thank you, sir. Robert Batchelder, followed by Kevin McGuire. Hi, board. Thank you for allowing me to speak. Good to see many of you again. Um, as you know, I went through this process a few months ago for the Evergreen Meadows project. So first, I'll address you as the owner of Evergreen Meadows. Um, we're certainly in support of the project. We think it's a great uh, complimentary use to our daycare and dance studio. You know, it's a sort of a child-centric area. It's not a super heavy commercial use. It's, you know, the lights obviously don't bother us, but we're not living there, so I understand the residents' concern. Um, but we are definitely in support of it, and we, uh, you know, we're willing to work with the applicant. We've told them once we're completed, because you know the daycare closes at six, six thirty, and because the dance studio is really light on the weekends, daycare's not open on the weekends. We're willing to work with him and provide you know parking arrangements with him whenever we are in off peak hours, um, which I think you know hopefully would help with this parking situation. As I believe someone mentioned, you know the. Uh, site plan approval process, we're planning to submit site plan by February 1st. So given the county timeline, I know it's sort of an eight to 12 month period. So we're hoping, you know, it's never in the eight to 12 months we'll have site plan approval and we'll start construction immediately. So fall 2019 is our outside completion date and goal. Uh, for as that helps you with your decision making and working with him. Uh, on a personal note, I've actually known Bronco for a long time. Uh, we just happened to be in this situation. Um, but I trained his children growing up playing soccer. I was a professional soccer player. We played together. Um, I think he's a very good person, an honest person. I know some of the applicants said, hey, we feel lied to. That's not his personality. That's not who he is. So, you know, whatever miscommunication, I think that's an innocent miscommunication. Um, and, you know, he's a, a great person whose dream really is to open one soccer field. He doesn't have <laughs> multiple parks. Uh, he lives in a single-family home in Ashburn with his two children and his wife and works a nine-to-five job. So I think, um, you know, he's certainly a person who'd be qualified to help the community and, and build a soccer park. But that's my two cents, and thank you guys. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. And our last speaker is Kevin McGuire. Is there a movie? Is that, what is your name, a movie? Jerry Maguire. No, he's my brother. Jerry Maguire. <laughs> so my name is Kevin Maguire. I coach uh, three soccer teams. I live in the Dulles District in Mr. Letourneau's district. Um, and I'll just tell you, the field space is very limited, as Mr. Barry was saying. We get allocated space from 6 to 7.30 in the fall. Sunset, middle of our season is 6.30. So we get half an hour. You know, we try to play through that. We try to, you know play as long as we can, but it gets dangerous. You know, you don't have lights. We only have one field of lights that's available to us, which is Burns Ridge. Uh, so a lot of times we're stuck having to shorten practice, and it's really just not a, a good situation for the children um, because we want to push and, and keep playing, but there's no lights. Um, and we just have a, a lack of, spa of space and fields, and, and frankly, I think this would be a great asset to our community. I think allowing a private entity to come in and help the public uh, where the public um, field space is limited, um, much like with schools, where we have a private schools that help offset the lack of resources we have as a county. I think that's a, a real asset to, to us, and I think um, that's the case that, that I could see Vir uh, Virginia Fusion Park playing for our area. Um, I know I coach a lot at Conklin. There's a lot of talk about parking. 
Conklin has 56 spots. They have four fields. They have eight teams practicing from five to six, 18 from six to seven. Parking's not that bad there. We get in, we get out. So, I mean, 43 spots when you're looking at four teams. Most of these teams, my teams, my U10 girls team has 10 players. A lot of them carpool. You know, we can make this work. You know, as a county, we can make this work. Thank you. Thank you, sir. And that was our last speaker on this issue. And so now I'm going to go to Mr. Buffington for a motion. Thank you, Madam Chair. And after hearing everyone speak and all of the concerns and the other board members, I think there's more uh, work to be done on this than I originally thought. Uh, so I'd like to ask the applicant, would you be willing to extend the critical action date to February 6th so that we could send this to TLUC for more work in the Transportation and Land Use Committee before it goes to, it wouldn't be able to go to the January 18th business meeting because the pack or the announcement would have already gone out, so it would have to go to the next business meeting, which would be the first business meeting in February, which is February 6th. Would you be willing to that? <clears throat> Sorry, I didn't know what what all those terms were, so he was just explaining that to me. I apologize, but yes, that's fine. Thank you. Okay. Okay, then, Madam Chair, I move that the Board of Supervisors forward specs 2016-0060, specs 2016-0061, and specs 2016-0062 Virginia Fusion Park to the January 12th Transportation Land Use Committee meeting for further discussion. Um, motion has been made and seconded by Mr. Turner. Discussion on the motion. Mr. Buffington. Thank you, Madam Chair. Yeah, there's just a lot of issues uh, to be worked out here. We're going to need some time. Uh, I think the Transportation and Land Use Committee is the right place to do that. Uh, this is where uh, those sort of issues generally get worked out. Uh, we have parking issues, the light pole issues. Um, I also would be interested if they would be uh, willing to a reduced hour of operation condition of approval uh, after hearing some of the um, residents speak. And the other conditions of approval that we mentioned earlier, I'm interested in what VDOT has to say about the no parking on Briarfield Lane and Bishop Mead Place. Um, and another, another big point here, for, I think, a takeaway for tonight because of the parking issue is that they reduce to one game and two practices until such time as there is sufficient parking that staff is okay with on adjoining properties. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Meyer? Hey, I uh, just want to, uh, this is mostly for staff, to make sure we have a conversation with VDOT, not only about what Supervisor Bono just mentioned about the no parking, because we've had issues where we've asked for no parking in places and then not been granted those signs. And so we need to have a preliminary discussion with VDOT about that to see what they think about this particular area if we were to request that. Second is, we had a similar situation, uh, as residents described, with having the left-hand turn problem. Uh, at Exchange and Russell Branch, we requested VDOT to actually repaint the lanes so it was a straight right and a left-hand turn lane by itself versus having a straight left and a right-hand turn lane by itself. And that largely corrected the problem. Uh, I don't know, I haven't driven this intersection all that often. Um, I've certainly been by it a few times, but I don't know if that's something that could be applicable there. Um, and so if we could have VDOT give us some feedback as to if they have any flexibility on repainting there to try to make it safer, at least in the interim, as we're looking to uh, widen the road long-term anyway. We can certainly discuss that with DTCI and VDOT staff. I did want to note briefly that VDOT did provide 
comments, they uh, were also concerned about left turns from Evergreen Mills. Right, and they've been, they were concerned similarly, but then they actually took action. So we need to ask them specifically if they're willing to look at taking action there. Thank you, sir. Mr. Letourneau? Uh, yeah, just real briefly, thank you to Mr. Buffington for sending this to TLUC. I think that it needs to go there. Um, I, I hear what the applicant's saying, and I appreciate what they're trying to do, and I, I really do, because I think this is a good type of project. Um, there is a need for these types of fields. I do want to say, though, the county has been well aware of that, and for hopefully we'll be moving forward with the Hanson Park project, which has, um, I think it's eight to 12 rectangle fields coming on Evergreen Mills, as well as some other soccer-related projects um, that we'll be discussing. Um, <clears throat> but in any event, um, the issue is we just can't let something happen and go because there's a need for it. We do have to go through this process and ensure that it's a quality product because the rest of the county expects us to do that. And in this case, there's clearly some outstanding issues that need to be resolved. So hopefully we can do that. Thank you. All right. Um, on Mr. Buffington's motion that was seconded by Mr. Letourneau. All in favor, please say aye. aye. Any opposed? That motion will pass 9-0. Thank you very much. Okay, uh, supervisors, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we will start at the top of, where, of the agenda and just go through it because we don't have any more speakers scheduled for right now. I know.
We're back, and I will say that um, I don't think I have to move any more items, but I think the next items are going to go pretty quick, so I'm not going to move any more right now, but, but don't worry, they're, they're going to go fast. So we will go to item number two, which is an item in the Blue Ridge District. Mr. Buffington had to leave, and Mr. Buffington has asked Mr. Laterno to make the motion. When, it, when we get to that point. Good evening. Good evening, Madam Chair and board members. Um, I have with me uh, tonight Dawn Klassen from Department of Transportation and Capital Infrastructure, one of our land acquisition managers, and Sarah Howard O'Brien from Loudoun County Public Schools. Staff does not have a presentation, but would be happy to answer any questions. Does anyone have any questions? Mr. Letourne, you have a question? No, no questions? We have no questions. Um, there's no applicant. Is there anybody he here from the public who would like to speak on this matter? Seeing none, Mr. Letourneau. I move the Board of Supervisors suspend the rules. Mo motion's been made to suspend the rules. And um, discussion on that motion? All in favor, please say aye. Aye. Any opposed? That motion will pass 801. Mr. Buffington has left for the evening. Mr. Letourneau. Move the Board of Supervisors approve the initiation of a boundary line adjustment and propose equal exchange of land between property co-owned by the Board of Supervisors and the Loudoun County School Board with adjacent property owned by Willisford Operations, LLC, as reflected in BLAD 2017-0051 and authorize staff to approve BLAD 2017-0051 once all other applicable requirements for approval have been satisfied. Motion's been made and seconded. That first motion was seconded for suspension by Mr. Bonin, and this motion was seconded by Mr. Meyer. Discussion on the motion. I think we all should be familiar with this. This is all kind of our doing, and we're just executing what we've already agreed to do between the schools and the county and Willisford. All right. Anybody else? All right. All in favor? Aye. Any opposed? That motion will pass. A01, number three. This is really easy. Good evening, Madam Good Chair evening. and members of the Board of Supervisors. Um, my name is Lori Sigler, and I'm an assistant county attorney. Um, and I have with me at the table Kelly Griffin, who is with the Department of Transportation and Capital Infrastructure. Um, there are no updates or changes to the staff report. Um, and this is a drainage easement that VDOT needs um, in order to finish the phase two part of the Woods Road uh, imp road improvement program. All right, thank you. Um, any questions for staff? Seeing none, and there's no applicant on this. Is, does anyone from the public like to speak on this item? Seeing none, Mr. Higgins, would you like to make a motion? Thank you, Madam Chair. I move the Board of Supervisors suspend the rules. Second. Motion's been made for the suspension of the rules and seconded by Mr. Meyer. Discussion on that? Seeing none, all in favor? Any opposed? The motion passed 801. Mr. Higgins? Thank you, Madam Chair. I move the Board of Supervisors approve the proposed conveyance of county property land, the Wood Roads Route 771 and Evergreen Mills Road Route 621 intersection improvements as shown on the right-of-way plan sheet as provided as attachment 2 to the December 13, 2017 Board of Supervisors Public Hearing Staff Report. I further move the Board of Supervisors authorize a county administrator or his designee to execute a deed of easement approved as to form by the county attorney on behalf of the board. Motion has been made and seconded by Ms. Volpe. Discussion on the motion? Uh, very briefly, Madam Chair, this is one of the improvements we've been working on on uh, Evergreen Mill Road for about as long as I can remember. And so I'm glad we're moving forward with this. This, will, this was a project that was in the hopper before 
safety issues happened on Evergreen Mill, and this will improve safety along that corridor. And so the quicker we go with this, the better. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. We have a discussion. All in favor, please say aye. Aye. Any opposed? That motion will pass 801. Next item, um, item number four. Ms. Fopey, did you say you want to make a motion on this one? Did I hear you say that? Was it this? Was this the one? Okay. Um, number four, codified ordinance. Madam Chair, I can address that that item. Okay. The uh, the Board of Supervisors authorized us to investigate uh, having civil penalties for the erosion and sedimentation control ordinance. There is a schedule identifying the particular violations with penalties with it. The other changes you'll see to the ordinance is just updating it to the most recent provisions of the state code. Happy to answer any questions you may have. Any questions for Mr. Rogers? Seeing none, Ms. Volpe. Uh, thank you, Madam Chair. I move that the Board of Supervisors suspend the rules. Motion's been made to suspend. <laughs> People are really excited about this second and other motions up here. I'm not quite sure what's going on. I don't, I don't even know who I heard. I think, Mr. Turner, did you say second? Okay, well, Mr. Meyer seconded that motion. Um, um, discussion on suspension? Seeing none, all in favor? Aye. Any opposed? The motion passed 801. Ms. Volpe? Thank you, Madam Chair. I move that the Board of Supervisors approve the amendments to the codified ordinances of Loudoun County Chapter 1220, Erosion Control, as provided in Attachment 1 of the December 13, 2017, Board of Supervisors Public Hearing Staff Report. Motion has been made and seconded by Supervisor Meyer. Discussion on the motion. Ms. Volpe? Thank you. Just a quick opening. Uh, <clears throat> part of the reason we're also doing this is, of course, there were uh, changes in state law that went into effect uh, July 1st, 2014, uh, that dealt with the uh, Stormwater Management Act, and uh, this will also help bring us into uh, compliance. Thank you. All right. Anything else? All in favor, please say aye. Aye. Any opposed? That motion will pass 801. We have completed item number five, so we now go to item number six, facilities and standards manual. Good evening. Good evening, Madam Chair, members of the board. I'm Laura Edmonds from the Department of Building and Development. I'm joined this evening by Mike Siegfried and Bill Thistle, the chairman of the Facility Standards Manual Public Review Committee. Staff has no updates to the item. We have prepared a brief PowerPoint presentation if you'd like to view it. Otherwise, we'd be glad to answer any questions. Does anyone need the PowerPoint? I don't have any questions, but I will uh, say that I think that the Facility Standards Manual um, Committee is, I mean, that is, that's an amazing committee that does some heavy lifting. I've stopped into the meetings twice, and, you know, unless you are just a super nerd, you know. <laughs> was a compliment so good job and and please thank the the whole committee from us so <laughs> uh, Ms. Bopi uh, thank you madam chair I move that the board of supervisors suspend the rules motion has been made and seconded the rule suspension by Mr. Bona discussion on the motion all in favor aye any opposed um, the motion passed 801 Ms. Bopi thank you madam chair I move that the Board of Supervisors approve DOAM 2017-0001, proposed amendments to the Loudoun County Facility Standards Manual as provided in attachments one and two to the December 13, 2017 Board of Supervisors Public Hearing Staff Report 
with an effective date of January 15th, 2018. Second. I will second that. Um, discussion on the motion. Ms. Bopi. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, yes, the Facility Standards Manual Public Review Committee are unsung heroes in our county. They literally give us thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars worth of their professional technical expertise. Um, before we do anything else, before the motion is approved, uh, colleagues, would you join me in a round of applause to Bill Fissel? This is his last meeting uh, as uh, chairman of the Facility Standards Manual Public Review Committee. He has served as chairman since 2000. Of course, as you know, we approved a resolution which was presented to him earlier today in front of the committee. Thank you. Anything else? No, ma'am. All right. Anything else from anybody? All right. You're good, Mr. Secret? Yes. Okay. Thank All you. in favor, please say aye. Aye. Any opposed? That motion will pass 801. And thank you for your service to our county, sir. Okay, we have, uh, we are number, we are at item number seven. Good evening. Good evening, Madam Chair and Supervisors. Um, this is a request to withdraw 29 acres from the new Catoctin South Agricultural and Forestal District. I have nothing further to add than is contained in your staff reports, but I'm available for any questions. Any questions? Seeing none, anybody from the uh, public like to speak on this item? Seeing none, Mr. Higgins, would you like to make a um, motion? Madam Chair, I'd like to suspend um, the rule. Motion has been made into for suspension of the rule, seconded by Ms. Bopi. Mr. Higgins, oh, I'm sorry, discussion on the motion? All in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Aye. You guys good down there? All right. <laughs> <laughs> Motion will pass 901. I mean 801. Mr. Higgins. Thank you, Madam Chair. I move the Board of Supervisors approve the request to withdraw the 28.92 acre parcel pen 222-17-5327 from the new Catoctin South Agricultural and Forestal District. I further move the board approve is based on a finding that the request to withdraw said land from the district is for good and reasonable cause. Because of, status, re, because of the landowner's stated reason for withdrawal is to re-enter the land without withdrawing into a permanent open space easement. Yes. Motion was made and seconded by Ms. Volpe. Discussion on the motion, Mr. Higgins? No. Um, I don't have discussion. I just want to say that when, when this issue, very, when one of these issues came up, I, I just didn't understand what we were doing. So I appreciate staff spending some time with me to explain what this is, how it works, why, and all those types of things. It, it, it's never that I'm not going to vote on it. If I abstain, I just want to get more information, and staff did that for me, and I appreciate that, so thank you. Anybody else? All right. All in favor, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? That motion will pass, 801. Um, thank you, gentlemen. We have completed item number eight already, so we will go to item number nine, American Tower Assets, um, LLC in Sterling. Good evening. Good evening. Uh, good evening, Madam Chair and Supervisors. Uh, my name is Josh Peters. I'm with Land Use Review. 
here to speak to American Tower. Uh, there are no updates on this application. Um, the applicant has brought the affidavits with them. We haven't received any comments on Lola. Uh, I do have a presentation if you'd like to see it. And additionally, the, uh, the applicant has also brought a presentation if you'd like to see it. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, supervisors, excuse me. If, if, have we seen this already? Oh, it's the driving range one. Okay. All right. I was like, okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. There we go. All right. No, I have any questions. Uh, Mr. Saints. Thank you, Madam Chair. I move that the Board of Supervisors suspend the rules. No, 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 no. We're way too soon. We're oh, way sorry. Too, way too soon. Way too soon. Um, the applicant is here. Would you like to do a presentation? If you would, you can have a seat there or stand at the podium. You have 10 minutes if you'd like to give a presentation. Thank you, Madam Chair and members of the board. Michelle Rosati, I'm a zoning attorney with Holland and Knight representing American Tower. We're happy to waive presentation. Thank you. Anyone need this presentation? Now that I know what it is, I don't need the presentation anymore. <laughs> we good? All right, I think we're fine, but thank you for coming. Anybody from the audience who'd like to speak on this item? Seeing none, Mr. Sainz now. All right, thank you. Got ahead of myself. I move the Board of Supervisors suspend the rules. Motion's been made to suspend the rules. <laughs> Seconded by Mr. Meyer. Discussion on the motion of suspension. All in favor, please say aye. Aye. Any objections? That motion will pass. 801. Mr. Saines. Thank you, Madam Chair. I move that the Board of Supervisors approve ZOMAD 2017-0008 and ESPEC 2017-0012 American Tower Asset Sub LLC subject to, subject to the conditions of approval dated November 15, 2017, and based on the findings for approval as provided in the attachments one and two to the December 13, 27 um, Board of Supervisors Public Staff Report. Um, that motion has been seconded by Ms. Uh, motion has been made by Ms. Sainz, seconded by Ms. Volpe. Discussion on the motion? Mr. Sainz, anything? No, thank you. This just uh, does a simple modification to uh, some landscape buffering on the, the, the golfing range and the owner is in favor of the uh, the uh, the motion, and so hopefully you can vote for it and support. Thank you. All in favor, please say aye. Aye. Any opposed? That motion will pass, 801. Thank you very much. All right, number uh, 10. <clears throat> Good evening. Good evening, Madam Chair, Supervisors. I'm Rick Hancock. I'll be happy to uh, provide uh, my presentation if you would like it. Uh, this item went to the Planning Commission. There's a couple recommended conditions that staff has added to the uh, Planning Commission's recommendation. I know the proper notices uh, and affidavits have been provided. Uh, I do not have any changes to the report. I'll be happy to make that presentation if you would like. Do we want this one? So the only part that I want is essentially the outstanding issue related to the traffic concern. Uh, a discussion on that? Yeah. Okay. Reform. I could have my presentation come up. So basically the issue um, in the meantime is there's an existing intersection uh, that this project would be receiving its access from 606. Uh, there's currently a VDOT project to increase from two lanes to four lanes. Um, that intersection, as you see on the aerial here above, uh, that would provide access over here 
um, currently is a failing intersection, uh, even with no development on site. And so uh, the board has a policy that uh, new development, special exceptions, zone changes shouldn't be issued if the, uh, act, if the level of service is worse than D. Um, and so for that issue, staff is flagging that, even though the applicant in their request to increase the, the FAR is only asking for data centers and that traffic increase would be nominal at 30 trips on the peak hour, about 300, 300 plus uh, in total, it would be additional trips to an intersection that we know to be a problem already. Anything else? You're good? Okay. Anybody else? All right. Good evening. Would you like to have a presentation? You have 10 minutes. You can have, keep a seat there or stand at the podium. Thank you, Madam Chair and members of the board. My name is Lou Tanaka with Christopher Consultants, representing the applicant 606 Data Park. With me is the applicant and owner, Mr. David Tolson. Um, I'm not going to go through a long presentation. I would like to address a couple of points. Um, as the staff pointed out, <coughs> when this item went to the Planning Commission, uh, there were two draft conditions, one relating to the transportation and one relating to uh, a 50-foot uh, rest cod buffer that the Planning Commission um, basically recommended that those conditions be removed uh, and voted unanimously uh, for the application with those conditions removed. Those conditions still appear in the staff report as conditions four and eight. Um, as Mr. Hancock pointed out, this property is owned PDGI. It can be developed at 8.4 with PDGI uses, um, including data center. This application is a special exception, and the special exception is to increase from a 0.4 to a 0.6 only for data center use. Conditions of a special exception are supposed to mitigate the impacts of the special exception. The special exception basically increases peak hour by 31 trips. The applicant understands that to have a successful project, they have to have adequate access. We understand that this application probably will be moved to the uh, uh, board's business meeting in January. Um, again, we. Planning Commission recommended that that uh, condition be removed. We understand there are concerns. Uh, we're concerned about the current wording of that condition, as in the draft conditions. But we can take the time between now and the business meeting to see if we can come to a, uh, a more e uh, reasonable and equitable resolution of the, the concern and the condition language. Be happy to answer any questions. Thank you. That was helpful. Thank you very much. <coughs> questions for the applicant? Mr. Meyer? So my question actually is just going back to clarify something with staff. So you said that we added two things onto the Planning Commission recommendation. Did the Planning Commission actually go over these issues or not? The Planning Commission did go over these issues. Uh, one of the items, one of the conditions, specifically condition number eight, they had approximate language in their recommendation. They decided not to go with that. That related to the river stream uh, corridor management buffer. Okay. Yeah, I mean um, the other the other condition, which is number five, is actually new, and it's a way that that we're trying to find uh, so that there isn't a traffic problem 
uh, that is inconsistent with plan policy and still have a project that can be approved. Right, yeah, and I appreciate trying to find a creative solution to make sure we can we can fit the policy. I just want, want to make sure that we have an accurate idea of what the Planning Commission is rec recommending as well. Um, I don't think I have all that many questions except for that you all are willing to work with us on following county policy, correct? Yes, sir. All right, very well. Anybody else? The applicant? Is there anybody from the public that would like to speak on this issue? Seeing none, Mr. <coughs> Mr. Letourneau, would you like to make uh, Could I, just one point, uh, today is actually the critical yeah, action. I'm going so to first thing, first thing okay, I'll ask thanks. would the applicant agree to a timeline extension? Yes, sir. Thank you. I move the Board of Supervisors forward special exception 2017-00-15-606 data park to the January 18th Board of Supervisors business meeting for action. Motion has been made and seconded by Mr. Um, Meyer. Discussion on the motion? Yeah, so uh, I, I don't object to what the applicant's trying to do, and I think we can hopefully find a way to get this, get this done. I think what staff is raising is a legitimate policy point that I've actually made an issue of up here, which is uh, when you have uh, when you have land use applications and they're adjacent to a failing level of service, we need to make sure that the failing level of service is addressed before something is developed. And this is something that is going to be applicable to a lot of things down the road and already has been. So I, we just need to really work on a way to sort of um, uh, meld that with what the applicant's doing because in reality, the, the real change to this application is a data center, which we all know doesn't generate a lot of traffic. And I actually don't want to see a turn signal on 606 um, unless it's absolutely needed because that's just stopping traffic, uh, throughput traffic on a really congested road. So I think we can hopefully get to somewhere. Uh, we, Mr. Conico and I have already kind of exchanged some ideas and we'll continue to do that and uh, hopefully have that done in time for the, the 18th meeting and also work with, with staff on those things. Thank you very much. Just Mr. one Meyer. more follow-up question. Um, it's a legitimate question. We, we're, we are here for a reason. I don't need to be scoffed and laughed at when I ask a question. All right. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, now I'm off my train of thought. Um, the failing level of service is only on the, for the actual commercial users, right? So the, the failing level of service isn't on 606. It's actually just for the auction lot south and for the proposed data center north, right? So we're not – this application isn't hampering traffic on the, county, on, the, the, on the road that we're concerned about. Effectively, yes. So it's, it's – yes. And so there so the been, through there traffic is not the problem. County policy in that way in the past. We just want to make sure that there's not an issue at this intersection. It's a little difficult because there is nothing there currently, um, and so I recognize that it's a little, it's difficult on that. But and there isn't a problem <laughs> with the 606 through traffic. It's that the intersection itself is not as a whole is not working now. Right. Okay. Thank you. If I may, Madam Chair. Uh, Rory Toth with DDCI. Um, that is correct. It's the side, seat, side street connections to 606 uh, that would have the, the issue uh, with the failing level of service. However, um, as staff had pointed out, the, the mitigations that are necessary that are shown in the traffic study 
that's what we wanted to make sure that is flushed out because the, the traffic study is assuming turn lanes and a signal in place in order to bring up the level of service. Okay, thank you very much. All right, so the motion is to send it to a, a future business meeting. Um, made by Mr. Letourneau, seconded by Mr. Meyer. That's correct, right? All in favor, please say aye. Any opposed? That motion will pass, 801. Thank you very much. And we are now at item number 11. Um, Lokes Automotive in the Broad Run District. Good evening. Good evening, Madam Chair, members of the board. Steve Barney, Department of Planning and Zoning. Um, this is DTC Partners Noakes Automotive, uh, a special exception zoning concept plan amendment for a service station. And the applicant has submitted all required affidavits. There are no changes to the staff report. And a presentation is available should the board choose to hear it. Would anyone like the presentation? Is everyone's presentation loading? Mine is not. No, I know it. I just, would, you know, okay. Um, does anyone have questions of staff? Seeing none, the applicant is here. Good evening, sir. Good evening. You have 10 minutes. If you'd like to make your presentation, you can sit there and do it or, or, or go to the podium, either one. Uh, thank you, Madam Chair and members of the board. Uh, we do not have a presentation at this time, so we'll choose to uh, waive that. Thank you. Does anyone have questions for the applicant? Seeing, yes. I excuse myself. Have all the proper noticing and all of that been done? Because that was the beginning. Yes. Yeah, they the update submitted. Yeah. All right. Is there anyone from the audience who'd like to speak on this item? Seeing none, Mr. Meyer, would you like to make a motion? Uh, so I originally was going to move this to a business meeting, but I've chatted with staff and I'm actually comfortable with the item. So unless anybody has any objections, I would move to suspend the rules. Motion has been made for suspension, seconded by Mr. Bona. Discussion on suspension? Seeing none, all in favor, please say aye. Aye. Any opposed? That will pass, 801. Mr. Meyer. I move that the Board of Supervisors approve ZCPA 2016-0006, special exception 2016-0012, ZMOD 2017-0025, DTC Partners, Noakes Automotive, subject to the proper statement dated November 22nd, 2017, and on the conditions of approval dated November 16th, 2017, and based on the findings for approval as provided in attachments one, two, and three to the December 13th, 2017 Board of Supervisors Public Hearing Staff Report. Motion's been made and seconded by Mr. Bona. <laughs> Discussion on the motion, Mr. Meyer? Well, I would just say we get to welcome another sheets to Loudoun County. Uh, and, you know, when you have gas prices that are 25 cents cheaper usually than the surrounding area ones, Hey, we are very happy about it. Good food, good convenience uh, store. I think you all answered my questions on the traffic concerns. And so we love Sheets. We want you to feel welcome here. And that's why I wanted to make sure we could get the rules suspended. And we want you to open up as many locations as, as you can here. That's all I'd say from our perspective. Residents have been raving about the 606 location. Thank you. Anybody else? All in favor, please say aye. Any opposed? That motion will pass, 801, thank you. Okay, supervisors, we're on to um, item number 12, um, Dulles North Industrial Park in the Sterling District. 
Good evening, everyone. Good evening, Jackie Marsh with Planning and Zoning. I do not have any updates to this report. I do have a signed set of proffers that have been approved to legal form. The applicant has submitted the required affidavits. I have a presentation ready if the board would like to see it. Otherwise, I'd be happy to answer any questions. Would anyone like to see the presentation? I think we're pretty familiar with this one. Yeah. No? Okay. The applicant is here. Would you like to make a presentation? No, Madam Chairman. Uh, Andrew Painter with Walsh Gallucci. I'll just state for the record that all advertisements have been posted and all letters have been sent out in accordance with state and local ordinances. And uh, I will waive presentation. Thank you. Does anyone have uh, questions of the applicant? Seeing none, is there anybody in the audience who'd like to speak on this item? Seeing none, Mr. Sings. Thank you, Madam Chair. I move that the Board of Supervisors suspend the rules. Second. Motion for suspension has been made by Mr. Sings, seconded by Ms. Volpe. All in favor? Oh, I'm sorry, discussion on that motion? All in favor? Aye. Any opposed? That motion passed 801. Mr. Sings. I move that the Board of Supervisors approve ZRTD 2017-0007, Dallas North Industrial Park, Lot 4, subject to the proffer statement dated November 28, 2017, and based on the findings for approval as provided in Attachments 1 and 2 to the December 13, 2017, Board of Supervisors Public Hearing Staff Report. <laughs> really, seriously, what is that? I don't even know who's doing it. Okay. Um, the motion's been made and seconded by Ms. Umstead. <laughs> seconded by Mr. Meyer. <laughs> Discussion on the motion? All in favor, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? That motion will pass. Thank you. 801. Okay, we go to um, item number 13, which we're also pretty, pretty familiar with. Uh, the Fairfax Model in Granite in the Broad Run District. Okay, good evening. I do not have any updates to this report other than to say that I have a signed set of proffers that have been approved to legal form. The applicant has submitted their required affidavits. I do have a presentation if the board would like to see it. Otherwise, I'd be happy to answer any questions. Okay. Uh, seeing none, applicant, do you have any? Um Madam Chair and members of the Board of Supervisors, my name is Kimberly Welsh-Heiss. I'm a land use planner with Walsh Colucci, and we did submit the affidavit for um, public notice and posting the property, and we waive the um, application presentation if so desired. Thank you very much. Thank you. I will say that for the first time since I've been in this seat. This is the first time I read something all the way through and the presentation didn't have to go look up any acronyms or anything. So really appreciate that. Thank you so much. I think I'm I think I'm I think I'm fluent with the acronyms now after two years. So pretty good. All right. Anybody from the audience like to speak on this item? Yeah, I know, I know it. <laughs> Seeing none. Um, Mr. Meyer. Madam Chair, I move that the board suspend the rules. Motion to remain second by Mr. Sains. He got in under the line on that one. Nice work, Supervisor Sains. Um. <laughs> <laughs> That's my opening. All right. Anything else? All right. That was a switch on the rules, right? Okay. All in favor, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? That motion passed 801. Mr. Meyer. I move that the Board of Supervisors approve ZRTD 2016-0009 and ZMOD 2017 
0020, Fairfax Marble and Granite, subject to the proper statement dated September 19, 2017, and based on the findings for approval as provided in attachments 1 and 2 to the December 13, 2017, Board of Supervisors Public Hearing Staff Report. Yeah. <laughs> All right, discussion on that motion been made and seconded by Ms. Bopey. Discussion on that motion. Seeing none, no discussion. All in favor, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? Thank you very much. Thank you. And the last item is to Primrose School. It's in the Blue Ridge District, but it will um, be handled tonight by Mr. Letourneau. Thank you. I have no updates to this report other than to say that the proffers have been submitted and they have been approved to legal form. The applicant has submitted the required affidavits. I do have a presentation if the board would like to see it. Otherwise, I'd be happy to answer any questions. Does anyone have, I know she does. Does anyone have any questions on this one? Seeing none, we have an applicant here. Would you like to make a presentation? You can if you uh, Good evening, Madam Chair, members of the board. I wish you uh, all a happy holiday season here. Uh, my name is Michael Romeo. I'm land use planner with Walsh Colucci. Uh, for the record, the affidavit for mailing and posting has been submitted. All I would like to say is that Primrose Schools is eager to get started on this site, and this application will allow them to do that. I'd be happy to answer any questions you may have. Thank you. Um, you guys have done a lot of work on this application, so I appreciate that. Anybody else have any statements on this? Anybody from the public wish to speak on this item? Seeing none, Mr. Letourneau. I move the Board of Supervisors suspend the rules. Motion for made for suspension, seconded by Mr. Bona. Um, discussion on that? All in favor, please say aye. Aye. Any opposed? That motion will pass, 801. Before I go to Mr. Letourneau for the second motion, supervisors, as soon as this is over, please don't scramble right away. I have a little bit of housekeeping uh, we need to do because this is our last time on the dais together before the year is over. So just give me just a second before you finish. Um, Mr. Meyer, I mean, Mr. Letourneau, another motion? I move the Board of Supervisors approves ECPA 2017-0006 and ZMA 2017-0026 Primrose School subject to proper statement dated November 20th, 2017 and based on the findings for approval as provided in attachments 1 and 2 to the December 13, 2017 Board of Supervisors Public Hearing Staff Report. Motion's been made and seconded by Ms. Bopey. Discussion on the motion? So all this is doing is uh, taking an application we previously approved and allowing one piece of it to move forward separately from the rest of the application because the rest of the application isn't ready to go yet. Okay. Anybody else? All right. All in favor, please say aye. Aye. Any opposed? That motion will pass 801, and that is all the information we have for this evening. Thank you very much. Supervisors, if you indulge me for a moment, I have some comments that I have to make, but I also forgot last meeting to do my disclosures. I left them upstairs. I'm going to do those really quick and then go through some other things. November 14th, my staff met with Nene Spivey regarding the Children's Science Center. November 16th, I participated in the common community meeting regarding the Audi Fire Station. November 17th, my staff attended the Wil Windy Hill Foundation Gala. November 20th, met with community members regarding the opposition to the to the designation um, in the transition zone, which we've been discussing. November 28th, on a conference call regarding the Google Data Center announcement. November 30, met with Phil Lyles, who's interested in developing an indoor recreation facility. Those, those are my disclosures I forgot last time. Supervisors, a couple of things. One, I, I'm not hearing from you all yet, and I, I imagine over the holidays, Mr. Bona and I will be sitting down to meet to talk about commissions, committees, boards, and subcommittees. 
Um, and so I need, if you're on a committee right now and you in or a, a regional body and you do not want to be there anymore, please say that to me. If you do want to be in a regional body, please say that to me um, because we're going to have be having some of these discussions. And that includes our all of our standing subcommittees. If you're interested in stepping off of a subcommittee, Ms. Phoebe, can you stop talking for a sec? Interested in stepping off of a subcommittee, please say that. Interested in stepping on a subcommittee, please say that. We don't know if it, if it would be possible, but it, will, it would help to know what your interests are. Um, that's the first thing. Second thing is we will be, um, I will be calling you all over the, the break um, one at a time to just talk about the rules of order. Um, I, I've, I've heard, um, you know, that, that we, there are some ideas to, to um, uh, do some things different in, in the meetings next week. I mean, next, next year, I, I, I want to know that. Um, if, you, if you recall, when we started our term, a lot of the times for the meetings and that type of things were set up based on people's work schedule or their church schedule or things like that. If any of those things have changed, we can, we can, you know, I know that the last time I think you all's board meeting started earlier. They started like at four or something, at four. So it started a whole hour earlier. Um, uh, we're halfway through our term, so we can we can look at doing something different. Um, if if people would like to, I'm I'm fine with it. Um, but I want to hear from other people, so expect that over the over the break, I will call each of you um, and have a conversation just to get your ideas, your thoughts. Um, please be um, prepared for that conversation and 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 ready to have those discussions, so that um, uh, uh, I know what what people are asking for, what people want. Um, and also, you can expect that when you come back on January third, your names are going to go in a hat. Your name's going to come back out of a hat, and the and the yep, and the chairs, your seats will be your seats will be different than the seats are. So your seats, if she comes out of the hat, that's where she's going. If she comes out of the hat, that's if she's coming out of the hat, that's exactly where she's going. But the names are going to go in the hat and come out the hat, and um, with the exception of the of the vice chair, Mr. Hemstreet and Mr. Rogers, everybody else's seats going to change. <laughs> so I want to let you all know that. Um, Beyond that, I wish you all um, happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, happy Kwanzaa, happy holidays. We are adjourned.